Tonight's episode of the Tuesday Night Cigar Club is brought to you by Drew Estate. Come experience the rebirth of cigars at www.drewestate.com and download the free Drew Diplomat smartphone app today to discover nearby retailers, RSVP to special events, redeem points to win exclusive Drew Estate merchandise, and much, much more. Brothers and sisters of the leaf, coming to you live once again from the corner of no hope. It's the Tuesday Night Cigar Club podcast. Tonight, the boys take an interstellar trip through the wacky 1984 sci-fi cult classic, The Ice Pirates, while smoking the Buckeye Land cigar from Crowned Heads, paired with pint after icy cold pint of both heavy and light Icelandic beers from Einstock Beer Company. Sounds like our crew of lovable numbnuts are in store for one hell of a good time, folks. So sit back, light them up, and enjoy the show. I don't know about you boys, but uh, I think old Keith A. Howe's done better, right? That was kind of weak sauce. He He's right here. Of course he is, Ted. He's always here in spirit with us. I love the guy. I just I thought he kind of phoned that one in a little bit. He's No, not here in spirit. He's, he's literally right beside me. No. Oh. Shit. Hey, Keith. Hey, Matt. Glad to be here, I guess. Uh, uh, what a surprise. Uh, no, of course I knew he was there. I only had two ice houses before the show. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to the Tuesday Night Cigar Club, episode 99. 99. On the cusp of something, something. It's something. 99? Uh, Huh? There's a number after 99? There is. It's a big one. But no. you know what? I have a good feeling about 99 all on its own. And one of the main reasons for that, ladies and gentlemen, longtime listeners, uh, we have a very special guest with us tonight in the Corner of No Hope. Our first guest ever in the Corner of No Hope. Uh, he was brave enough to uh, to join us. Mr. Keith A. Howe, our longtime voice announcer, our Fifth member in spirit, and uh, I'm, I'm just I'm so happy you're here. Keith A. Howe. Keith A. Howe. I'm glad to be here. Honored and a little intimidated. A little intimidated by us? <laughs> no. No, every time I hear your voice, I'm just like, <laughs> that's him. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm just sorry I don't get to say, uh, you know, O'Brien's Irish Pub in historic downtown Temple, Texas anymore. Hey, yeah, you, I'm getting chills from that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, chills. Uh, there might be an opportunity for that later, yeah. Keith. Uh, spoiler alert. Um, but no, um, the opportunity arose for uh, for Keith to sit in with us, and we jumped on it. 
and made it happen. And uh, yeah, I, I you know, like I said, I, I couldn't I couldn't be more happy about it. I'm also um, going to let our listeners in on a little secret. What is it? A deep secret uh, we've kept buried for 99 episodes now, and I think I'm finally ready to come clean. I'm proud of you. I am. It takes a lot of courage. It's nothing to really be ashamed of. It's just something we never advertised. Well, I mean, a lot of us knew this about you. So, I mean, we're... Just go ahead. Come clean. Keith A. Howe is Matt A. Cade's uncle. Oh. Did you guys know that? Did you now? (laughs) We're we're, we're relatives. Oh. Weather. uh, Oh, an amber alert. Sorry. Our, all our phones are blowing up here. <laughs> Should probably see what the doctor's up to. Uh, <laughs> it that, is. Was your, that was your thought first? first thought <laughs> My first too? thought, I was like, uh-oh, it's not the grapevine area, is it? <laughs> um, but no, uh, he's my uncle. Um, it's true, I changed his diapers more than once. He is my mother's <laughs> youngest son. Never knew I had my, anything My mother's youngest brother, sorry. Um, and he, well, he was always more like a, an older brother. I'm I'm closer to your age than I am to your mother's age. Yeah, actually. that's yeah. always been kind of a a weird thing. But uh, yeah, so uh, forever, Keith has done our opening voice and closing voiceovers um, from out in California. Um, it, when we decided to do the podcast, it was just a initial. I was like, so many podcasts don't do a, an opening. It's just. The host says, welcome, you know, it's just like, boom, we're here. And welcome, like, everybody. Yeah, I'm like, why don't we go back to the Johnny Carson days, you know? Let's get, uh, let's, 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 let's do this right. Um, and, and Keith got on board, and he's been a part of this, so it only makes sense as we approach 100 to, to have him here. And, uh, yeah, so, and we're, and we're like blood relatives, not like my kids call you Uncle Cody. Like, he, he's actually my uncle. Yeah. Sorry, it's, Cody. It's crazy. No, I mean those uncles are good too. But uh, you didn't make it sound that way just a second ago. Um, if you'll notice, our voiceovers lately have been far inferior to the usual. But we're gonna get back. I think after a hundred, we're gonna maybe get. Uh, I think I should be uh, good uh, to go Keith, for Keith for just, number a hundred. I Keith, believe Keith just moved uh, moved across the country and he's setting up his studio and uh, we're gonna be back on track. And I I personally couldn't be more excited about that. Me too. You don't laugh when I do my voiceovers. I'm just uh, tonight. I I damn near cried. That's because it's Keith. Exactly. I used to get and I'll move on. But Keith, I'll be honest. I when we used to meet at the pub, I would play your when I just got your emails with the voiceover. I'd play it for these guys and or everybody sitting outside. I mean, they're just good. You're you're very very good at what you do. So. uh, uh, Well, thank you. Thank you for the. If you're listening and you need voice work out there. Contact the TNCC so we can get a little something. Something. I'm sorry, I just took commission from your work. No, that's absolutely fine. Yeah. I'd rather have part of something than all or nothing. All no, of go to KeithAhow.com. Uh, but yeah, four years we've been doing this, so that's that's a lot of, of voiceovers. Um, so tonight, as we do often, or not often, whenever we have a guest, which we've done like maybe three times in 100 episodes. Uh, we let our guests pick tonight's film. Uh, I cannot believe I've never seen this film. Really? I didn't <laughs> realize you that. You can't believe I never saw it. No. Never saw it. 
Did you have you seen it? I've seen it, and I've been once I found out that I could rent it. I've been looking for an excuse to rent it, but I never rented it. And then when you said so you ice, saw it when you were young, yeah, when you said Ice Pirates, I was like, all right. I thought I had seen it. I, I just the name was so you know familiar to me. I just I thought it was one of those movies I watched when I was younger, and I just no, I've no, I would have remembered this one. I, I've never seen this movie, so I. I'm kind of giddy. And I'm kind of curious about, because one of the things that I went into it was, would present-day Tut like this movie as much as 12-year-old Tut did? Yeah. I bet he did. No, that is 6-year-old Tut. Oh, you said This was 80? 84. 84. Oh, okay, good. Then uh, 10-year-old Tut. 10-year-old Tut. Uh, Which I probably saw it a little later, so probably 12-year-old. Yeah. All right, well, we'll find out here in a little bit whether uh, grown man Tut uh, is still in sync with, with young nubile Tut. No, uh, he's not. I felt weird even saying that. Um, so, normally, what we do is we pair the premium cigar, the beer, and the film expertly, like no one else uh, does it. Tonight, through a little curveball, um, we're kind of putting the show together within the last few days and I have had the Buckeye Land by Crownhead Cigar sitting in the humidor since late last year and because Keith, like myself uh, born and he was much more raised in Ohio than I was, I, I left at an early age but we were both Ohio boys seemed like a good time to break out the Buckeye Land um Although I found out before the show, apparently there's... What are they called? The Buckeye Call them Buckeye. Buckeye? Oh, this is Buckeye candy. <laughs> Yeah, the term is Buckeye, yeah. And they're filled with <laughs> peanut butter and chocolate, and somehow I, was, I uh, missed that. I was too busy setting up, and up, but I was listening. Yeah, this year was the first time I've ever had one of those uh, Buckeyes. Oh, you've had one? Yes, and they are delicious. Have you ever been to Ohio? Uh, once, yes. Once. You've had none. I've had none. That's disgraceful. Cool. Yeah, it is disgraceful. Oh, sir. I've actually made them myself. Oh, jeez. Yeah. It's getting worse than a minute. Uh, okay. So we're going to do the Buckeye Land for the Ohio, our Ohio-born guest. Uh, all of Keith and I's, uh, my grandparents, his parents set up shop in Ohio along with uh, our great-great-grandparents. Uh, or my great-grandparents, your grandparents, Pappy. Uh, yeah, Pappy. Uh, Howell Howell. How how or Pappy with the same first and last name. From Mingo Junction, Ohio. Yeah. Um, for you Ohio folks out there, uh, Keith and I were both uh, spawned in Alliance, Ohio. Uh, a quaint little community. Home uh, of the Mount Union Purple Raiders. The national champion, well I guess UMH, the local team uh, here in Belton beat them last year, but a long yeah, they had a uh, long string of it actually. Uh, the Mount Union Purple Raiders. Um, I still kind of giggle when I say Purple Raiders. Is that? <laughs> I'm just an idiot. Uh, <laughs> let me tell you a little bit about this cigar. Uh, it is a six by forty eight, six inches long, forty eight ring gauge Corona, Mexican San Andres oh, yeah. wrapper, a Connecticut broadleaf binder. And filler leaves from Nicaragua and where we're headed next week, boys, Pennsylvania. 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 Uh, that's quite an eclectic uh, blend there. Mexico, Connecticut, Nicaragua, and Pennsylvania. But you know what? I love tobacco from all those places. So uh, 
it's pr- that sounds promising. I'm going to save the price point till last. Um, yeah, and I think it's been long enough. Uh, I don't even remember the price point on these. Yeah, you actually picked these up. Yeah. Uh, which I'm going to get to that in just a minute. Um, I'll get to it now. We acquired these good-looking cigars at Smoker's Abbey in Cedar Park, Texas. Um, but you can't go there and get them now, and I'm going to tell you why. Uh, John Huber, co-founder of Crown Heads, had this to say in a press release. We've garnered a strong following in Ohio over the years. That state also holds a special place in my heart, as my wife was born in Lancaster, Ohio. Her maiden name is Land, hence Buckeye Land. We could not be more excited to be working with Willie Herrera of Drew Estate on this project. I believe Willie and I share a similar admiration for the artistry and tradition of cigar making, and as such, the creative process of this particular project was very fluid. This cigar was blended for crowned heads by Willie Herrera, our old friend. We had him on the show a couple mm-hmm. episodes ago, the master blender from Drew Estate. Now, here's the deal. These suckers are only available in Ohio. It's an Ohio-exclusive cigar. Uh, but we acquired them in Texas as a result of Lawless Day. One day in a calendar year when Crown Heads opens up sales of the regional releases to other shops around the country. Uh, FYI, the other one's the Yellow Rose, which is the Texas one. Tennessee Waltz. Tennessee Waltz. Uh, they're the other s- state-specific cigars. But uh, that's how we got these cigars, uh, like I said, late last year. And... Tut, what you getting on that cold draw? Oh, man, it's like a straight-up hay barn in here a lot of with hay. a little bit of Nestle Quick. I, I actually got maltiness, like a chocolate malt, like a, a Whopper in my mouth. Uh, you know what? This would be a good time because, Keith, you are not a cigar smoker. I'm not, but you, eager to learn a little bit about uh, well, what I, I need to do to most enjoy this. So you know what? I'm going to actually take some steps, drop in a little bit where maybe I don't no- normally do. Uh, the cold draw is after you clip, uh, which Cody should have a clip over there for you. Um, it's like a little guillotine for your cigar. And when you clip the head of it, kind of puff on the cigar before you light it and see if you get any kind of aromatic flavors. Um, a lot of times you don't get anything. Sometimes you get little hints. I got malt ball. You got Nestle Quick and some hay. You, you went crazy when he said hay. It, that I'm getting a lot of hay, getting a little bit of kind of like a leather. Just okay. That's just straight off the cold draw. That's straight cold draw. Okay. Um, so once we set these sticks on fire, I'll come back and uh, see what your first impressions are. You guys got a lighter over there? Um, and while we are lighting up, Cody, as always. Sure. All right. Please tell us what well, we are drinking tonight. We are drinking bit? Icelandic beer. Just on the end here? Yep. Ice kind of toast Icelandic beer. Ice. That's good. Icelandic beer. Ice pirates. Icelandic beers. Correct. So, so the cigar I threw a curveball, but we're on track with the beer. Yes. Absolutely. Bit. Kind of get an even little this toast over there. This is You're from good. the... Which I'm not... I'm going to probably just butcher these names with the and throughout the night we'll probably just want to brewery lighten it up, even it up, especially if it starts All getting right. a little uneven. Well, That'll be fine. Tut's giving a little bit of a tutorial over there. Thank you, Tut, for oh, stepping in. Yeah. Um, if you guys missed it, we are drinking beer from Iceland tonight. Icelandic beers. Yeah, boil. 
Is that the right one? Ned is wrong. No, that's, that's wrong. That's okay. right. I don't know anything. Okay, the Einstoke Brewery. You're getting a lot more smoke than I was there. It's uh, located just 60 miles south of the Arctic Circle in the fishing go. port. And this is the Ikurere-ri. Ikurere-ri. I'm sure I'm pronouncing it wrong. Ikurere-ri. Okay. Iceland. All right. Uh, water flows from the rain in the prehistoric glaciers down the hill Darfajol. Darfajol. Okay. Uh, Darfajol Mountain and through the uh, ancient lava fields, delivering the purest water on Earth and the perfect foundation for brewing deliciously refreshing or, craft ales. So uh, this puts that Rocky Mountain core shit to oh yeah, shame. That's, like, that's just piss. That's just pure <laughs> American <laughs> piss. They have they have stuff running down from like real mountains. Ice in the Arctic volcanic fl- vo- ancient volcano flows glaciers. I'm fairly certain there's probably like a dinosaur just running around there for no reason. Oh man, this sounds impressive. <laughs> and they don't even have to store the beer in warehouse. They just throw it out in the snow. Probably. Okay. Okay. Uh, go on, I'm sorry. Uh, the the brewery itself uh, was started in uh, 2009. Oddly enough, Iceland had a had its own uh, prohibition. They, much like America, they they uh, the selling of beer and, and whatnot uh, was prohibited in 1908, and didn't resume until the 1980s. Really. Yeah. Oh wow. So they they they. Uh, so when the Vikings came back from pillaging and and raping and conquering, they drank apple juice. In 1908. That, that was a little bit earlier. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. I think if anyone told the Vikings that they couldn't have a beer, they would have killed them. Sure. Okay. Okay. Which is what we should have done anyways. But, yeah. yeah. Uh, so what's the first one we're drinking tonight? This is a, uh, they use the recipe for a Scottish Wee Heavy. Um, what uh, is a like Scottish Wee Heavy? A Wee Heavy is, uh, it is, the, the style itself does come from Scotland. Uh, it is a type of ale, a strong ale. The, the Wee part really is not much like, you know, people think it's, you know, as from you know Scottish terms of saying we or something like that, but in fact, it's usually the comes from just the because it is a stronger beer that they would serve it in a smaller serve okay. per serving. Uh, this, what's the ABV on this? It doesn't taste strong. Uh, it's eight percent. Oh, yeah. Ooh, sip slowly. Well, you could no, you could pound this. <laughs> uh, you, you easily could. Uh, yeah, Keith's a big. Dark, strong, heavy beer guy. Well, I was just saying, I uh, telling Cody, I I think the best thing you can do to most beers is add the word imperial to the uh, the front of it, which you know, I, I like the high alcohol beers, you know. Yeah. If it gets past twelve, thirteen, um, sipping a little more. Uh, I I like it. It's 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 chocolatey. You I'm guys getting really chocolate? Getting, on I'm not it? really getting a lot of chocolate out no. of it. No, Boy, I don't get I, chocolate there either. Oh man, I I did. I think that might actually be no, no, cigar flavoring the beer. Pre cigar, pre cigar. Because I am getting dark chocolate on the cigar. Uh, it is. A, it is a nice uh, 
kind of a Scottish strong profile, but to me it's a lot tamer than a Scottish. It's, it doesn't have. Well, like I said, this is their this is sort of their take on it. Uh, this is uh, does use uh, Icelandic grown birch smoked barley in collaboration with Imverk Distillery in. I can't even pronounce it. Gar- <laughs> Bear. Uh, they then add native Icelandic Angelica, a fabled herb used by Vikings of of the past. Oh. So, it's got it. They took their own. They took the style and added their own little twist to it. Okay. So the can. Uh, of the course, can it, it, it has bears the Viking bear, on it, which is the, the the company logo, and a Scottish tartan on it. So you get that uh, that that Scotch. Uh, yes. Heritage on there too. But it's it keeps nice coming in. Look at Keith coming in with the knowledge of the Scots. Oh, he knows stuff. <laughs> okay. It's um, an interesting can. I was commenting before the show. I like the can. Uh, it, I do like the design of the can. Um, yeah, I, I, I normally... Man, we've done a few Scottish, Scottish ales. I'm usually not a fan. This is pretty smooth. Um, yeah, to me, it's a little bit too smooth, though. I like my wee ales to be a little bit... Uh, yeah. Hitch in the wee-wee. Yeah, it doesn't have that bite yeah. that a lot of scotch ales do. It doesn't. They get up to about, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, all right. That's you why like I was surprised that I was thinking that, you know, with I was like, surely it's got to be a low ABV. I'm just not getting any of the harshness. And no, it's it's actually very smooth. Uh, oh, it is. Um, okay, well, then I guess I was off base with the chocolate. Everybody looked at me like I was a crazy person. <laughs> you can taste chocolate whenever you want to taste chocolate. I mean, it's more of a caramel? No. Uh, you know what reminds me of one of those Buckeye chocolate peanut butter that eggs I ate had, as a child? Yeah. You obviously have never had one. I have. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, well, well, we'll come back. We'll come back to the beer. Um, I am, no apologies, getting chocolate from the cigar. I'm getting dark chocolate uh-huh. on the draw, and then I'm getting uh, a really nice pepper spice uh, through the nose, a jalapeno. You know, nothing crazy. Uh, make my eyes water, but I'm getting a nice uh, jalapeno spice through the nose. Keith, is re- retro is? ale is blowing out through your nose. It's a fancy word for blowing it out through your nose. Retro ale. Retro hail. Retro hail. Yeah. As opposed to exhale. Yeah. Gotcha. Or inhale. Uh-huh. Retro hail. Uh, but you know, you can pick up a lot of flavors in a cigar through the nose that you don't get on the palate. You can tell it's a Willie blend because that thing is just it's, smoking. Yeah, it's smoking like crazy. Yeah. You liking it? Yes, yeah. Yeah, I am. Uh, it's a little bit softer than I actually remember. Uh, I wasn't going to peg it at jalapeno. Oh, you've had this before? Yeah. I wasn't going to peg that as jalapeno on the retro ale, but when you mentioned it, I was like, okay, yeah. I was going to say some sort of little spice there that's kind of nice. Uh, it's it's a nice little mellow cigar. There's full of flavors all over the place. Uh, it is. It got some leather and, and that dark chocolate. What are you getting there, boy? I'm definitely picking up the chocolate, the leather, of course. Got that from the cold draw. That's still there. Uh, okay. Uh, well, Keith, as you're not a cigar smoker, uh, if you, you know, God knows, you know, we didn't become professional cigar experts overnight. So enjoy the experience. If you get some kind of sensations, I'd love to hear them from, like, someone who's not smoking, you know, two or three of these a day. <laughs> um, are, are you picking up anything? Well, I... First off, it's just it's a lot more mellow than I expected. You know, I mean, I haven't had a, a you know a, a big beefy cigar since probably my college fraternity days. And right. That's, that's been a while. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's much more. I, I expected a little more 
just like harshness or just overwhelming flavor, and it's it's nice. A I lot of people are scared of the darker cigars. They think they're just going to be these just insane powerhouse. powerhouses. That's that's just not the case, especially with with a blend like this, uh, where you incorporate some American tobaccos with the Nicaraguan. I mean, it, depending on the ratios, this this cigar could have kind of gone anywhere. Um, but you know that spice, I, I attribute to the Mexican the Mexican wrapper. Uh, they usually have that real nice spice, um, but they also give you that cocoa flavor too in the Mexican wrapper. So um, I'm wondering if we're going to get some of that kind of meaty, creamy stuff from the Connecticut um, binder at some point. And I don't know, it'll be fun. I was real curious about this because uh, coming into this cigar, Crown Heads isn't necessarily in my profile. Uh, I, I mean. Yeah, it just it wasn't everything that we don't smoke a lot of uh, We actually to. featured our first Crown Heads uh, earlier this year, the La Carême. This ah, this was the one that this the Buckeye op- kind of opened my eyes to Crown Heads. It was the Herrera Crown Head, you know, connection connection. Sure. Uh, but then that La Carême has definitely vaulted into my top five. Yeah. I love that thing. I picked that. I have picked that up probably about 15 times since that show. Really? Yeah, I really love the look around. Um, you know, when we put out our end of the year list, everybody's like, you know, what kind of an end of year list if they, if you're not still smoking those cigars? Like, how many cigars do you still buy from your best of list? You know, we featured that less than a couple months ago. You've already gone out and bought half, of, you know, three yeah. fourths of a box of them. So, oh. yeah, the little creme is a wonderful cigar. And I would have bought the uh, Buckeye too, but I can't get it. Wait for Lawless Day. Wait my for friend. Lawless Day. Wait for Lawless Day. Speaking of lawlessness, yes. Oh, I was going to segue into the movie. Oh, who's more lawless than a pirate? Am I right? I did your segue for you. The film tonight. We'll come back to these beers and cigar things. Ice Pirates, 1984, the film you guys seem to have loved your whole lives. Me, I thought I did, but I never saw it. <laughs> Directed and co-written by Stuart Raffle of Mac and Me. Ah, Mac and Me. Mannequin 2 on the oh, Moon. Oh, yeah. 1994's Tammy and the T-Rex. Yeah, not so much. It's a 2007 steamy-looking flick called Bad Girl Island that I'm going to have to go check out at some point for research. <laughs> research. Research, yeah. Uh, and much, much more. Uh, this guy's pretty eclectic. That Tammy and the T-Rex was a kids' movie, if you remember, starring mm-hmm. Denise Richards. And it turns out this guy, Stuart Raffel, shot a ton of really gory, violent T-Rex footage. It's getting re-released this year at festivals in an, ex- a, an unrated cut. They t- basically turned this kids' movie into a horror, a horror movie <laughs> with all the original footage. Like they didn't go back with Denise Richards. Yeah. Wow. Well, to be honest, a lot of kids' movies were horror flicks to begin with. So. Yeah, but apparently <laughs> this one is like, wow, like, how did you shoot all this stuff and it turned into this? I. Uh, so that's one to keep your eyes out for. But get this: his co-writer was Stanford Sherman. Who wrote the screenplay for 1983's Kroll? Uh-huh. <laughs> and 18 episodes of the classic 1960s Batman TV series, uh. which I have a big soft spot for. When I first saw his name, though, I thought he was the creator of the Brady Bunch. But that's Sherwood Schwartz. <laughs> Sherwood Schwartz. 
Yeah, they do sound familiar. That's similar. Um, so you guys ready to dig into this? Let's do it. Give me the green light. I'm going in. We start things off by floating through deep space as a boisterous swashbuckling score plays and an opening voiceover, a very succinct opening voiceover, fills us in on the state of things in the galaxy. Take Long, it away, Keith. Yeah, I should give Keith this. Here. Oh, did, oh give me that. I think that was John Carradine. Oh, Car- I was just joking. The italics right there. All no, right. We got him here. Let's, let's, <laughs> All let's, right. Let's and I think it was John Carradine reading that in the oh, original. I, I don't know. I'm, I, it sounded like it, though. Yeah. Long after the great interplanetary wars, the galaxy has gone dry. Water has become the only thing left of value. Evil Templars from the planet Mithra have gained control of this life-giving resource. Their power is now absolute, except for a few rebel pirates who survive by stealing ice from the great Templar fleets. And I want a voice. Good call, Todd. Good call. <laughs> Thank you, Keith. You You're were welcome. Saying, you were saying that was actually Carradine? I believe so. Okay. I, I, it could I, have been. It was, it was. He had that little bit part. Uh, that little raspy voice that he had in his bit yeah. part. It, it could have been. And I guess if they paid him for the day, they might as well have been like, read this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have to get off the stretcher? Oh. <laughs> Good point. Uh, and sure enough, we then cut to the interior of a pirate space vessel as they scope out a Mithra fleet in the distance. All right, let's just get this out there. The space graphics are just total cheese ball effects, but I still appreciate the hell out of them. Not back then. Mm, even back yeah, then. Back this then. was yeah. 1984. Back I mean, the Star Wars, which was 76, eight years earlier. This is, this is like a dec- almost a decade after Star <laughs> All Wars. Right, I might have been no, no, <laughs> this was a year after Return of the Jedi. Yeah, yeah. okay, so I was glossing over that. <laughs> yeah. right, now, they yeah. were trying to cash in well, on that. Until a minute ago, he thought this came out in 1980. So I did. Yeah, you got to adjust your So, I mean... They didn't have the budget of Star Wars. <laughs> it looks really bad, but I'll still take it over some of the bad CGI we see in you Oh know, yeah, no, the, in in modern day cheapo movies. I mean, and as we um, go through this, I, I there's some craftsmanship here. Okay, first, I'll, I'll go ahead and say this. Uh, I watched this on my iPad. I rented the HD version off of Amazon, uh-huh. and the HD transition of this movie looks a heck of a lot better than a lot of movies that were released three years ago with CGI because a lot of times the CGI if you don't do it right it doesn't transfer into an HD release sure it looks cheesy it looks out of place you see the hard edges but it actually takes because this is practical you don't see that it actually does though that that process isn't just as easy as taking the the original release running through a machine and oh hey we've I'm got to put this in Premiere and stretch we've it. got a 4K no I mean the the, the really good transfers uh, are done frame by frame by guys who are making adjustments and, and really put some craft you know some hard work into it uh, a lot of these movies don't do that they just hey we're on Blu-ray now and it looks, Yay, it looks and it terrible it doesn't look bad I mean it doesn't look good uh, I actually bought I rented the HD version uh, but for some reason, my my internet connection wasn't strong enough to get the HD, so it just looked like a a VHS copy, which which was fine. Yeah, but even then, I guess that's I the way I remember wa- not watching it as a kid. Even then, I bet you the were you eating Buckeyes? <laughs> I was eating Buckeyes. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you the flames then, or the flames in your SD version, looked better than the CGI flames of most today movies. I had no problem with any of that stuff. Yeah, yeah I can see where that stuff might get a little stand out in the HD. 
No, I think you're saying they look better on this one than they did yeah. on the CGI. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, I, I, a lot of the special effects, the movie looked good. I mean, everything was real sharp. Oh, okay. The entire way through. What's the, good like I said, the the conversion for this old ass movie looked a lot better than some of these B movies that are made three years ago. Okay. Because of all the CGI crappiness. Well, I I appreciate the effects a lot. I appreciate them a lot more than the high school band performing the soundtrack. How many smashing cymbals and tubas <laughs> can you get in this it's, thing? It's, it's old, dramatic. Oh it's the old. God. It's the old Errol Flynn soundtrack. Jeez. Well, that's I mean that's you know that's where they took like their title cards from. Yeah. Was those with the old pirate the movies. Yeah. I mean, I liked that. You know, you they had that many tubas and no, they the did. They did. No offense, but I know you're an old tuba. Let me man. let me get my imaginary tuba. <laughs> it sounds just as good as when I had a real one. <laughs> well, the Ice Pirates consist of Jason, played by Robert. Uh, Yurik of Vegas and Spencer for Hire fame. Spencer, oh, for, yeah. Hire. Spencer for Hire. That was classic. Uh, uh, My, Maida, played by Angelica Houston. I oh, did. Yeah. Yeah. I, always, I, was, I was like, man, that really looks like Angelica Houston, but I was like, there's no way she's in this. Sure. Yeah. Oh, yes, she uh, was. She uh, looked good in a swashbuckling little yes, uh, revealing costume. So I've, ne- I've never thought of her as that pretty, but in this one, I was like, all right, how are you doing, Angela? Uh, Morticia Adams? Come Morticia on. Adams, yeah. for Pete's sake. This was but still, it's better here. Yes. Uh, agreed. Uh, okay. Roscoe, played by Michael D. Roberts. This guy, African-American actor, he's been in almost a hundred things. I immediately recognized him. Uh, he played the role... Of Ipswich, the accountant who fired Elaine on Seinfeld yeah. from Jay Peterman when she bought those rat hair hats. <laughs> forgot uh, about that. He was the accountant. I guy. totally forgot about that. Can I fire you? She's like, no. <laughs> uh, so there's a lot of actual, a lot of Seinfeld people in this in this movie. Yes. Um, and FYI, he also was one of the main stars of Manimal. Yes. 1984, same time. He okay. Was, I think he was Manimal's handler, like. Yeah, he was his. He was like his boss, or yeah. uh, well, right. does Manimal really ever have a boss? Yeah. His agent? I thought handler was a good term. Handler for, for Manimal. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the Beast himself, Ron Perlman, is one of the pirates. My man, Ron Perlman, yeah. as Zeno. Yeah. Hellboy. I love my man, Ron Perlman. Sons of Anarchy, the Beast. I have to say, I'm amazed Ron Perlman ever got another acting job after this film, though. He was kind of a weak <laughs> link. Uh, man, uh, it was bad. It was really was bad. This this was before Name of the Rose. With Chunk Connery? Yeah. Uh, pretty sure it would have been, yeah. yeah I think that I was think so. 86, Six, 87. Because right. Name of the Rose basically saved his acting career. Like, look at this guy. He can go crazy and do stuff. Put him in other things. Like, and look at Like him. Beauty and the Beast. Let's make him a beast. The Beast. There <laughs> you uh, go. This guy, he's got something. Cover his face. <laughs> <laughs> that's quite a crew, right? He's done quite well with that, you know. Yeah. He's, he's covered his face in a lot of movies. And he is a big-time brother of the league, big cigar smoker. Uh, oh. uh, but that's, that's and really apparently fluent in French, because I've seen him in, uh, like, a, a City of Lost Children, his good French mm-hmm. sci-fi movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, hmm. I, didn't I should mention that uh, Keith threw out several ideas for the show tonight, and <laughs> a lot of them were kind of heady art, art, artistic films, and uh, so we could have been watching a cinematic masterpiece, like Flash Gordon. <laughs> we tried, we it, tried, couldn't rent it. Oh. Couldn't rent it. I'm anywhere. not paying twelve bucks for Flash Gordon. Yeah. It's a Queen soundtrack, all Queen soundtrack. Yes, it yes. is worth it just for the soundtrack alone. Yeah, but right. but it's also worth it for Die 
right. If Keith ever makes it down our way into Texas again, we'll pay the damn <sighs> 12 bucks. I'll pay price. it if we have to do this again. I'm so glad that we didn't, because then I would never have seen Ice Pirates. And you would have thought you had seen it. <laughs> I would have thought I had seen it. <laughs> Oh, and there's some other guy named Doper, but he doesn't matter. He gets killed pretty quickly. Um, well, immediately the pirates attach their ship to the underbelly of the Mithra cruiser and force their way in. Right in, actually, to a Mithra bathroom where a weird-looking alien's sitting on the crapper farting up a storm in surprise when these pirates storm in. All right. As someone who never saw this film before, at this point I'm hoping that the moment here with the cheesy-looking guy in the rubber mask farting is setting the tone for, like... <laughs> Oh, is this what I'm getting with this movie? God, I hope so. It pretty much is. Could yes. I be so lucky? Yeah. yeah, I am. I wanted to see what magazine he was reading. You couldn't quite see the title of the magazine. <laughs> see what magazine he had on the toilet with him. Herpy even, even an HD. Yeah. Could you see an HD? No, you couldn't see an HD. Okay. Well, as they snoop through the corridors uh, with their clumsy but pretty impressive looking robots. Yaks, you love stuff like that. The robots look pretty good. They did a good job. I mean... They were guys in, guys in suits, but they were believable as just, you know, sort of not your... It, kind of a rip-off on, like, C-3PO type thing, but they're, like, way less... But they kind of have, like, these just horrible, like... They, they they cobbled them together from pieces that they got because they're pirates, so they don't have like yeah. But they just kept the putting stuff on them, like, like hey, <laughs> we put four layers of crap on them, put six. Like, they're so bulky, <laughs> but they look they look intricate. They look like right. They, 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 they look functional for the for the pirate you know for this universe. But you're sitting here going, yeah, this is really really bad. But, but they, I believe it. Yeah, <laughs> That's a guy in a suit. Well, suddenly. An old-timey maid, like in the black dress with the white thing, emerges from out of nowhere, and they have no choice but to muffle her screams and drag her kicking screaming into a side room. As Roscoe puts on a high-pitched female voice to assure the sentries at the door that everything's fine. Keith, did I use that term right? Sentries? Uh, well, no. They would. No. They would be the centurion. Would be the person that's in charge of a large group of them. Okay. But they wouldn't be individually sentries. They'd be you know, soldiers. Okay. Okay. He got it. He got, got it. I was testing. Yeah. Uh, Techni- uh, technically, you know, a century is 100 years. Uh-huh. A centurion would be in charge of 100 men in the Roman army. Writing this is the Republic down. period. Writing this okay. down for okay. my right, history right knowledge. Write that down. Well, it is a funny scene because they're like, is everything okay in there? Everything's fine. Just doing old lady stuff. I saw a mouse and I got scared because I'm so old. But and that, and that, that reaffirmed like with the farting scene, like, okay, this is just a balls nut comedy. Okay, all right. But the high voice was a uh, you know a little hallmark of what was to come with high voices later on. Yes, it was. There was foreshadowing. There's some artistry here. Yes, it was. The hunky, the hunky leader Jason. Thank uh, you. That's kind of the way I look at myself in this group. The hunky leader Jason makes his way back to the room, the back of the room where he finds the gorgeous Princess Karina of Argon sleeping in a hibernation chamber of sort. Tut, did I use the term hunky correctly here to describe Robert Yurick? Oh, Robert Yurick. I mean, yeah, I guess. He's a pretty good-looking younger guy. It, no, he's striking. I mean, striking yeah. Looking, especially considering later on he got a little I'd only seen him as a middle-aged kind stuff, of guy yeah. at Spencer for Hire, but man, he's pretty good-looking. If you're into lean, muscular... Kind of athletic, athletic guys. I mean, yeah. yeah ponytail, a little chest hair, though. You know, it wasn't, wasn't fully it groomed like somebody in the mid-80s. He's a you know? pirate, too. Pirates yeah. got to have chest hair. Well, 
Well, Jason stares at her in the hibernation chair in awe. She's so gorgeous. And as the little romantic music plays, he leans over and lifts up her shirt. <laughs> and right as he's about to successfully look down her blouse, Roscoe barges in and tells him, they got to move. we got a job to do. You promised, Jason. Not again. Uh, whatever happened to raping and pillaging? Our hero. Uh, sidebar, as I request uh-huh. another uh, beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 80s. I, I'm kind of curious about the actors. I'm surprised she didn't suffocate from all the dry ice that was in that tube. Because when they opened it up, it was just nothing but ice coming up and up and up. Well, I'm sure they told her, like, all right, we heavier pill. I'll go with the pill, L. I'm sure they told her, like, you hold your breath for at least 10 (laughs) seconds. I'll be fine. You'll be dead. I kept You'll looking for <laughs> I kept looking for Roger Corman's name on this thing, and yeah, surprisingly, it had nothing to do. This thing screamed of Roger Corman. Oh no, it I screamed of Roger Corman, but it would have been serious. They would have been taking their role seriously. Yeah, he didn't really do mm-hmm. screwball comedy. Uh, not on purpose. Not on purpose, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, so they leave the princess and her nanny behind as they quickly locate a giant holding tank full of blocks of solid ice. Yet their breath doesn't show when they talk. How's that work? Space, not, space reasons. They're space, ice pirates. It's space. They're used to the ice. That makes sense. They've acclimated to the ice. Space ice? Space ice. I like space reasons. Space reasons. Space reasons. There were a lot of spacey reasons in this. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah! Just like that, they're all swinging from cables and yelling, Yaha! It is the Earl Flynn soundtrack. Absolutely. And symbols. As they sword fight the Templar soldiers right and left, there's robots battling, lots of bad jokes. None of the pirate crew ever seems to take their rather precarious situation very seriously. There's some laser guns going off here and there, add to the mayhem. Keith, the Mithra soldiers here, the Templar soldiers are wearing chainmail headgear and very similar nightlight clothing and we're very lucky to have Keith here tonight boys I don't know if you know this you might have talked about Keith a lot over the years Keith is a member of the SCA the Society for Creative Anachronism he also I'm going to do your biography for you uh, he also spent uh, a good chunk of time out in California constructing night armor and what do you think of these sword fights? Were these guys chumps? Did they do any kind of research? They were, they were definitely chumps. Uh, you know, the, the the Templars' armor looked like leftovers from Money Python mm-hmm. uh, for the most part. Um, which <laughs> yes, I, I they did. Yeah, they did from the Holy Grail specifically, uh-huh. um, which might have been available at a discount. But yeah, they're just the most in you know ineffective things to wear on a spaceship when there's laser guns available. But they all seem to prefer swords. Even the robots did prefer. Uh, Kind of cheesy little lightweight cutlasses throughout yeah, it. When you could have a laser gun. Because a metallic robot going after another metallic robot, a sword's good. Yeah, sword's yeah. good. I, I thought the same thing, though. I, I, I thought that the, the chain mail and stuff looked just really bad. But uh, but being a former armorer, which I was a salaried, you know, paid paid vacations armorer yeah. for, for many years. I One time I think I was the highest paid armorer in North America. Um. Okay. Uh, <laughs> quick sidebar into that. Hold on to that because I want to come back to that. Uh, I wasn't afraid. I wasn't um, offended by the armor because I'm a fan of WWE's Big Daddy Pump, who used to wear the chain. Oh yeah, sure. Steiner. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 
So you were actually in armor. Did you like, were you like blacksmith armor? Well, most armor is not blacksmithing where you're forging the metal hot. Most of it's cold forge. Okay. Um, Actually, on the shelf up there is a helmet I made for Matt many years ago. Okay. Uh, this it's a uh, replica of a Norman conical, popular around you know 1066 Bayou Tapestry of that period. Oh nice. there you my go. goodness! First of all, I've been 100 episodes in and I never <laughs> saw that thing. This is the first time you're bringing it down. <laughs> Sorry, just only so much. No, no. The funny it. thing is, it's been up there for like 100 episodes, and I'm yes. just I'm just yes. now going like, holy crap! So with a with a hammer, a uh, big shear, a hand shear called a Beverly shear, and a little uh, oxyacetylene welding, I made that in about an hour. Okay, so that's cold. Well, I mean, that's I don't like have anything yeah. Th- there's, there's <laughs> actually <laughs> this is a weld running up the front. Right. You know, hidden, and then there's like a weld the here to a dart that, that uh, allows you to pull it in. And then this is all hammered and planished and sanded, and the nasals attached. But very close replica of uh, there's actually um, a helmet that's called the Helm of Saint Wenceslaus um, that that's based on. It's in some some museum in Spain, I think. But there's right an example. There. I, I actually I made thirty designed and helped make thirty six suits of armor for the Excalibur Casino when it opened in Las Vegas. Yeah, we, I, I told you that. Yeah, you, t- you actually did tell I me actually, that. Actually, when yeah. we were in Vegas last year, I was. I was oh, that is so cool. So yeah, I, I do. I immediately gravitate towards chainmail coifs, things like that, when yeah. I see them. And I noticed the pirates still would have a little a little band of chainmail around their around their shoulder or something, just to look more piratical, if that's a word. It is now. Yeah, yeah. All right, I'll go with that. Um, okay, well, I knew you'd have some some good insight there. I don't know. Um, Is anybody well, else getting a like a blast of pepper on that that one third retro hail? Uh, the peppers stay consistent for me. My my smokes actually the chocolate and leather are still there, but it's getting a little creamy for me. Getting that I'm getting some I, I got just like barest. Of pepper, really? Because I got like a whole nose full there. No, it's actually I'm with the yeah, axe. I think it's tempered a little bit through the nose okay. uh, towards the end of the first third. There, there's something there, but I mean, it's oh, it's still it's there. Very it's, not. It's for not, me, it's died I, down. I'm not, a I'm not getting any like blast. Right yeah, now. I, I'm loving it's it's that that transition of the creaminess with the the dark chocolate and the leather. I. I started getting cream about five minutes ago, and I'm just really savoring it. Well, you know I'm not getting the cream. But Ted I never gets cream. He's incapable of sensing cream. I. Huh. It's weird. Yeah. Uh, I'm surprised I can actually taste some of the things you're talking about. I've, in, in wine, I've never tasted that oaky, woody, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> right. But, but, but the, the terms you're using, the, the leather and the, and the spiciness, you were calling uh-huh. it jalapeno. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I, I'm not quite getting at that, but I, but I, I definitely get a pepper. Pepper is a little, gotten a little stronger, mm-hmm. uh, I, but not quite so jalapeno. It's not that sharp like a jalapeno, but there's yeah. definitely a peppery, a peppery sense to it. But I get okay. chocolate and leather in that, so I'm, I'm glad I can get these. Awesome. You know, these these flavors that the your experienced smokers are. Uh, Look at Keith I understand the language. Well, that's what we want to hear. I might say I'm getting a little arugula here for spice. Oh, jeez. <laughs> you jumped the shark. There's there's several reviewers in the cigar world who get constant shit for their uh, flamboyant adjectives and descriptors. P. 
pizza crust. Uh, it's a it's a brulee, but not like a, a normal <laughs> right out of the oven brulee, but like a two day old brulee that's been sitting right. at about seventy three degrees. And in they the get shade. really. Deep oh, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Detailed. I, you know, I, I, I can see that. Having walked around uh, South Congress the other time, the other day for the first time in a long time, I just, you know, I, I saw pizza delicately sprinkled with, uh, you know, just. The, the, I can't I don't even have a word for the the pretension they were sprinkling on. That, that, I mean, that is the word pretension. <laughs> they were sprinkling yeah, it with and, pretentiousness. And it was, yeah, exactly. Would <laughs> uh, you like some parmesan oh. or some pretentiousness? <laughs> yeah, I know exactly the pizzeria you're talking about. I love that place. That was the food truck, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, I'm willing to accept like a plastic squeeze bottle of pretension, <laughs> but when they sprinkle it by hand, crumbles. Oh no, I want it. I want it yeah. tossed all in there. Yes. We're gonna shave it fresh from the block. <laughs> You'll get none of that here. None of that here. Not no. A little bit of that. So here. I'm a little offended little that arugula bit. brought that out of here. <laughs> uh, no, it was just funny because uh, some of these guys do get crazy with their with their stuff. But you know what? We've gotten some weird stuff. You know, I think the weirdest thing we've ever gotten out of cigars, pencil shavings maybe or butter. Or uh, mm, butter, which that was a great cigar. The, but, the butter cigar was. <laughs> butter cigar oh, you didn't get the best. butter. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Screw you guys. Uh, Going back to this cigar. <laughs> well, the ice pirates barely escape, but not before Jason goes back Harvey Weinstein style to grab the sleeping princess and take her with him over his shoulder. They blast off in their ship, and the Templar commander Fitzcairn is alerted to their attack on the cruiser. Did you recognize him? I did. Chuck, the bicycle owner from Pee Wee's Big Adventure. The bicycle shop owner. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, I it's Chuck. You weren't a big Pee Wee guy? No, yeah, I was. I just wasn't a big oh, Chuck, the bicycle shop owner. I knew immediately that was Chuck. <laughs> the pirates then play a dangerous game of chicken with the commander, but he eventually swerves out of the way with seconds to spare, allowing them to escape and have spring water for supper. They got all the water they could need. Pretty action-packed opening 15 minutes, right? Sometimes going after a break, you might want to relight it just a little bit. All right. Uh, I always puffing during the break, though. So. Oh, okay. Thank you. Um, yeah, for the first 15 minutes, this film is pretty damn non-stop action. It is. But wait, Tut. It ain't over so easily, after all. The commander's ships find them, and left with little recourse, the pirates break off their spacecraft into three separate pods and agree to meet on the planet Zagora later on. It's pretty smart. The Templar battleships can only follow Jason and Roscoe's pod, but that's okay, because Roscoe sits down an old-school video game console and begins wiping them out Space Invaders-style. Literally, it was Space Invaders. It was Space Invaders. Uh, He's moving the ship back and forth and shooting up. And uh, Jason's leaning over the thing like at an arcade. Like, you got it, man. You got it. Get that one. Get that one right there. But get did, it. Did get you it. notice the Boris Frazetta painting on the side of the yes, arcade machine? That was beautiful. A, co- a Conan chick from the, yes. from the Conan book. It's just a big buxom chick on the side. That was awesome. Um, well, Boris Ro- Vallejo. Excuse me, not Boris Frazetta. Uh, yes. Unfortunately, Roscoe misses his final target on the video screen, and their pod takes a major laser cannon blast and... Just like that, their pod is boarded by the Templars, who take them all prisoner. Man, in this movie, getting on and off people's spaceships is so easy. Yeah, all you gotta uh, do is just land on them and. And, and there's a cookie, a cookie cutter 
broken piece <laughs> comes off of the spaceship. It's That's all I can say. Easy it peasy. Perfectly cut splash design in the wall. In their crowded detention cell aboard the Templar cruiser, Jason and Roscoe make friends with a large thief named Killjoy, played by John Matuzak. Do you recognize him? Uh, yes. I thought I did. I How can, can you place him? Oh, he has a classic role. He's been in a lot of movies. He's but been a classic in I know, he's been in a lot of things. He was Sloth in the Goonies. How could you recognize him? How could you? Come on, man. <laughs> you got a lot of makeup on in that that's one. Hard. That's hard. Uh, come on. That's that, was a little, that was a little unfair. That was Sloth, but also, Yeah, that was Sloth. Sloth. That's cool. But also six years as a defensive end for the Oakland Raiders. Correct. And he also played for the Houston Texans when they were a expansion league team. And, and Houston's Oilers. Uh, the Houston oh, Oilers. When he first started, he, yeah. he was with the Oilers. But then the Houston Texans, then the Texans started in the the supplemental league or whatever it was yeah, called. Uh, uh, WFL, XFL, one of those. One, one of, of those. those. Uh, and it was yeah, actually he, a legal battle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and then, he was, I mean, he, uh, Chiefs. Yeah, he had a big football. Uh, no, he, he was good. Movies. He could be. I mean, he was he, a big guy, but he could be in the no, world's strongest six, man eight. competition. Yeah. Huh. Uh, I, I didn't know that. Well, he, uh, that was a cheap shot. You'd never know he was sloth. Uh, <laughs> well, sadly, though, I mean, he passed away in '89. Yeah, if you, uh, 38 from a heart attack. And he wow. was—he was only—he's. I mean, looking at the dude in this movie, I mean, he was like 32, 33. Yeah, uh, very well, young. Well, Killjoy tells them that they're all on their way back to Mithra to be redesigned, i.e., castrated and lobotomized. Uh, you know, when they arrive at the space dock on Mithra, the only planet with surface water left in the galaxy, I thought it was a really impressive set piece. Uh, the prisoners being shown moving above ground in the cages with the big industrial stuff in the background. It looked good. Yeah. And not like good for 84 low no, it budget. it just looked good. It looked really, yeah. really good. Um, for a silly scene, a very inefficient way to move slaves. But yeah, but it, but it looked good on film. <laughs> Good point. Now that I think Whatever. About it, whatever. Uh, as Roscoe <laughs> pledges when they're in these cages, if he ever gets out of this pickle, he's going to go straight and make a living designing robots. While he's yapping about redemption, Jason's attention is grabbed by the sight of Princess Karina walking below them. Another prisoner informs him that she's royal scum, the daughter of his lordship Count Vasco of Argon. She's being honored soon for the disappearance of her famous father who vanished looking for the long-rumored Seventh World. But this guy says the Templars actually killed her father, and she didn't even know it. She's going to be honored by these people that killed her dad. She's oblivious to it all. Boo. Well, Killjoy beats up a monk and steals his robe because they don't castrate and lobotomize monks, just in case there actually is a god. That was pretty funny. Um, so he beats up the monk and puts that on. He's like, later, brothers. Gives him a wink. <laughs> uh, as they're all pushed out of the cage. Like Killjoy, consummate survivalist. Yeah. <laughs> You'll see more of him later as he survives. Tut, you know what's even worse <laughs> than forced castration and a lobotomy? Oh, I can think of a lot of things, but what? That's right. Running out of tobacco special cigars in your humidor. No! Made by the almighty Drew Estate, the same folks who brought you Liga Pravada, Undercrown, Nico Rustica, and more. Your choice of either extra dark Connecticut broadleaf or natural Connecticut shade wrappers... Envelope. 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 <laughs> a Sumatra binder. Uh, Keith, envelope or 
if, is it a verb? Envelope. It's envelope. Envelope. Yeah, envelope is a noun. Okay. Envelope is a verb. Envelope. 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 <laughs> this has been going on for what twenty episodes now. Pretty much. <laughs> a Sumatra binder and a Nicaraguan Criollo filler leaves. Before aging, the cigars are slowly infused with Nicaraguan estate-grown coffee. The smoke is medium to full-bodied, depending on the wrapper. It's rich tobacco flavors commingling. I know I said that right. Oh, yes. With the unmistakable aroma of coffee and a little bit of sweetness. I'm a fan, and you will be too. Seek them out. Speaking I, of cigars, you're halfway through. I'm halfway through. What do you think? I like it. I'm loving it. I like it. Nice little leather. There's a little bit of chocolate going on that I really, really like. It hasn't really gone too far off of uh, off of that one-third uh, profile. It's just kind of enriched itself. I'm still getting a nice little pepper on the retro ale that I really appreciate. It's got a nice uh, yin and yang with the strength on the nose, with the mild uh, leather. I'm still getting the cream on the draw. Still getting some uh, the dark chocolate. Um, I just relit because I've been running yapping my jaws so much, but the construction's been great. Uh, it's it's a firm pack cigar if you give it a squeeze, but uh, it's been burning wonderfully. As an amateur, I haven't had to relight, so I, I got to say I'm with you on that. Yeah. Okay, okay, good stuff. And Back I think away. I think I taste the cream you're talking about too. It's, it's there we go. It's so nice. Nine on episodes, he hadn't had cream yet. There's something genetically wrong with him where he can't sense cream in things. <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm One day there will be a superpower where there's going to be like this toxin hidden in cream, and you're going to need somebody to like. Go Everyone's turned to zombies except this Tuttle family. They they have something in them. They can't sense the cream. <laughs> I guess that's possible. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, brains have a kind of creamy flavor. I think they do. Yeah, that's so awesome that he's picking up. I mean, for someone who hasn't you know smoked cigars like he said since college. Um, and then even then, we're talking about uh, you know not not the rich. finest of cigars either, or the <laughs> sure. or the you know, humidor was not a word we knew. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, well, that's cool. That, I mean, and that's you know that's a big purpose of our show is you know hopefully we bring folks in with you know the beer or the they want to hear a review of the beer or, or they want to you know hear our kind of radio play of of a movie and they hear us talking about these flavors of the cigar and they're like. That sounds kind of interesting. That sounds kind of a cool way to spend two hours, and the proof is in the potato. You're it's kind of accessible on your very first cigar. Awesome. That's that's really cool. Speaking of the beer, uh, we've switched to the Icelandic Pale Ale. I like it. I do too. It's it. It's so hot here. It's just it's really refreshing. It's not bitter. It's not. Uh, what's it's the, approachable. Yeah, Yax, can you give us a little bit of info on the pale ale? Uh, pale ale, uh, the ABV is uh, 5.6%. Um, it's, I, I could not find anything on the IBUs. It's Maybe, negligible. It, it, it's yeah, negligible. It's but uh, their own, uh, they used a, a, it's sort of American and Bavarian uh, styles. Uh, obviously, they used the Icelandic water to create, as they call it, their Viking version of the Pale Ale. A robust hoppiness meets smooth, malty undertones. Cascade hops give it the American character, white, while northern brewer hops add just enough bitterness to make the ale refreshingly Icelandic. 
I yeah, basically, I, they could turn on their sink, though, and that's Viking water. It is. <laughs> I mean, and the whole island is glaciers, so you know it's pretty good source for, we for only water. We use Icelandic water. Yeah. Of course, you're in Iceland. What if else if Iceland had been in this movie, they would have taken over the universe. <laughs> Now, Keith, you mentioned on break you you got an issue with these cans. I did. I like you know the the tartan on there is a wonderful just just a you know a wordless nod to the to the Scotch origins, but the Viking emblem itself lovely, but they show horns on the Viking helmet, which no real Viking ever wore horns on their helmet. So, uh, okay, Keith, I, I'm I'm not an armorer. But I've seen lots of stuff with Viking helmets and horns. Absolutely, and uh, like I was—I've was been to Minnesota. Doesn't the Minnesota yeah, Vikings? Yeah, the Minnesota Vikings—they got right. horns on it. No historic Viking. Let's say, let's say pre nineteen hundred. No, pre eighteen hundred, because the the uh, the Elizabethan—not the Elizabethan, but the Victorians in the nineteenth century started putting horns on helmets. Uh, it looks good. It looks. Barbarian, yeah. But it would be very. Think about it. It's going to catch a sword or an axe coming down in your head and make sure you take the full force of the blow without it glancing off. It's not. It's not going to help you on the battlefield. It's not practical. Other than looking good. Yeah. I'm just saying that I've seen the historic drawings of Hagar the Horrible, and he had horns. That's true. And and Hagar is one of my earliest uh, Viking swords. That good one. I appreciate (laughs) that. Uh, Don't get me started on Hagar. You know how I feel. About Hagar the Horrible. No, it is. How do you feel about Hagar the Horrible? It is true. The tactical weakness of horns on your helmet? Probably not a good thing. No, we we used to sell historic Viking helmets at a Renaissance fair. If you added $3 cow horns, you could charge an extra $150. Damn it, I feel so bad for buying those. (laughs) (laughs) You're on the Travis Tritt tour. You're playing keyboards. You want to stand out. Well, you can't really wear the. The Viking horns on the Travis Tritt tour. I mean, because they get caught up in the fringe from the sleeves. <laughs> oh, he's, he just, he's whipping those yeah. jackets. Yeah, around. good You're, point. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah, you don't think about those things. Yeah. You just had some good. Insight. Well, I mean, we we tried it, and that's why I know. That's why you got fired from the Travis Tritt tour. <laughs> the hell hired that guy with the fucking Viking hat. <laughs> All right, T R O U B L E. Get out uh, of here. I, I do like the beer. I mean, it's it's, it's there's no hot presence whatsoever. Uh, I, mean, I can see whether it's a little bit dry, which is nice. It's kind of a drier beer. Um, I can see what they're trying to do. I mean, they're, the they're trying to model water. after the pale ale, uh, but it doesn't have that bitterness. But there's still some floral. There's a nice little floral aroma to it that's nice. You're right. It it is dry. It, it's a dry kind of beer, and I, uh, and I like it. It is dry in the palate. Uh, it's it's if you're looking for an IPA, you're looking for that bitterness. Just this isn't your beer, but it's an interesting, interesting beer. Yeah, Keith and I were discussing beers the other day. Um, and I, that's when I kind of started to question our, our bloodline because he is not a fan of the powerhouse 120 IBU. I'm not either. It's a one-trick pony. No, hop uh, is such an easy thing to throw extra exactly. in now. And it doesn't matter what, you know, they grow their own hops. They yeah. get their ice, Icelandic hops if there is such a thing. Uh, it's just, it's... Could I, I haven't. I've been drinking the wee uh, the wee heavies though. Could I could I have try a swig of yours to see? Yeah, what? I'd like to try a non hoppy. Uh, like I said, it's dry on the palate. It's got kind of a floral aroma, but there's there's no kicking in the nuts blast of. Uh, and there is a little maltiness to it as well. No, that's nice. Yeah, that, that's nice. a nice blend. I can I can taste hops. I can I can taste malt, and which that's the problem with my problem with too much hops is I can't taste the malt. Yeah. 
Whereas Cody and I like it where you can't taste your dinner the next day because your taste buds are just fried from so many hops. If you're hoppy, you need it. Yes. <laughs> Love it. Me too. What was the the yingling hops that you guys were trying to ferret away at oh, one geez. of the barn smokers? No, we were, we were, they, were, they, were, they were throwing it out at like one of candy. Our, at Take one of our some. barn smokers, we, we interviewed the master blender of yingling. And uh, he had brought these sacks of hops for everyone to kind of smell and get in their hands. And just, but the barn smoker got rained out for the most part, so he had all these bags. He's like, just take them. And like, oh, well, you know, he like, got an airplane like, fly. I this is fresh hops. Well, he, yeah, yeah, and he, fresh, he, he, right. he did kind of just stick your hands in there and just shove your face in it. And it, it was, you know, I keep a bowl of these on my desk, and every morning I'm, I was like. Oh, that'd be the best job in the world. But anyway, he just made us take all these hops. So I, I get home from I get home from Connecticut. And I'm going through my cargo shorts. I'm like, what the? Oh, jeez! I got like hops. two pounds of hops in each pocket. Uh, well, man, get back to the movie. I gotta say it again. The matte paint, the matte paintings of Planet Mithra really look cool. Like yes. the, the big mm-hmm. wide shots. Like that's artistry. That's guys painting. And you know the stuff you don't see anymore, um, you know by hand. It, it just I just thought it looked screw modern CGI. This stuff looked really really good. It did look good, and that's like Star Wars. Star Wars the original had wonderful Episode Four. I really reluctantly call it that, but yeah. uh, great hand painting that you don't even know is hand painted. Yeah, yeah. It, it just and this one did it well for it, a very small budget. I thought they really did too. Um, our heroes. You know, the almost rapist Was and the, the thief. Was the binary son hand-painted? Sorry. I don't know. On I, 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 I don't that's know. that's such a beautiful shot. I've always wondered what exactly well, how, how they got there. How else would they get it? I, I don't it's know. It's not CGI. They end up computers. Maybe they, like, took two... Maybe they actually... Yeah, I, I think, it, I think two, it, they actually two took... Two strips and blended it. I think that that's what they did. They took the... Just two different times and then put them blended together. It? Okay. Yeah, okay. All right. Yeah. Sorry, sidebar. It's okay. Our heroes, the almost rapist and thief, are shuffled off to a conveyor belt where they get shaved downstairs, not downstairs in the place, but their nether regions, by a gay guy. They're getting buoyant gay guy. Yeah, yeah. I love how they, before the guys come out with the weed cutters to... (laughs) Yeah, they had the hedge trimmers there. <laughs> the the rooms are closed. Yeah, that's I was wondering what was going on there. They While they discussed their, their salary. They, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I had two hours off my paycheck they didn't recognize. They cut that's off their clothes with weed what you want to love. You're about to have your junk removed and, got, and some disgruntled union workers are not happy. <laughs> then this gay guy shaves your, your dick and balls. And then these uh, factory babes... Uh, drug them. They have these big syringes and they drug them before a giant metal set of sharp teeth awaits them at the end of the conveyor belt to chomp off their peckers. One of the highlights of the film I thought was the giant jaws of uh, uh, of castration. This scene has stuck with me since I was like 12 years old. (laughs) It has been like, I didn't even know I couldn't even remember what the name of the movie was but I remembered this scene in my head and when I went to to try to find out what the movie was Uh I was like Giant pincers, balls, and it was like this scene came up. I think this was the scene, too, where I realized I hadn't seen this movie. Because a lot of the stuff, you know, I just watched so many movies, I would have remembered the big teeth biting off dicks and balls. I think any man who sees a movie where something attacks his genitals, yeah, no, no, we're not going to watch that ever again. Ever. But surprisingly, when Jason and Roscoe clench their eyes shut and brace for the automated castration, the teeth don't bite down. Why, you ask, Yak Boy? 
I did ask why. Because Princess Karina is waiting on the other side of the machine, and she's disabled it. Way to go, Karina. The men are then dressed in numbered white unitards, given white wigs and white mustaches, and taken to a fitting room where a man named Jaime, Mr. Pitt from Seinfeld, Elaine's boss, shows them off to Karina and her nanny. That's Mr. Pitt? Mr. Pitt! Yeah, it was Jaime. Okay. But they're selling I didn't him. recognize once, him without his mustache. Once they're lobotomized... The Hitler mustache? Once they're <laughs> lobotomized... they're eunuchs with... Yes. They're, they're eunuchs and they're sold as slaves after they go through the, the process. If you would have given me like two weeks to prepare for this, mm-hmm. I would have had that eunuch outfit. That was a great outfit. Okay, I, I, you know, I, I wish I had one. I wore a similar one in my old high school powerlifting days, and let me like they're I, I they're, like, not know, as, they're not as comfy as you think. No, they would it's be. basically automated. Which castration. they pointed out in the film where, where they checked to see about the comfort. It was castration by unitard. Uh, <laughs> well, Karina chooses to purchase the black one, Roscoe. He says the black ones are very popular, which makes Roscoe like. Do you hear that? And the nanny just decides to pop, burst that bubble. Well, he'll go well with the wallpaper. <laughs> and she chooses to buy Jason as well. Uh, they can work in her sewage plant. And as she goes off with Jaime to get their service manuals, her nanny whispers to the pirates that they'll play along and act as slaves until they're told why Karina saved them. Do you understand me, she asks? Yes, ma'am. And she looks at him. Yes, yes ma'am. ma'am. <laughs> Come on, dude. That's so funny. Uh, I really dug the light tone of this flick. Oh, yeah, no. I can't think of another one kind of like it. A lot of them kind of occasionally went goofy, but this one kept they, it up They the embraced time. the camp. Yeah. Embraced it. Yeah. Uh, Even absolutely. Like, what's the one with uh, George Papard with the whiskey belt buckle? Uh, oh, uh, Battle Beyond the Stars. Even, like, that kind of reminded me a little you know, bit. No, that of was it. a Corman flick. That was a Corman flick, but they had little bits of humor. Um, but this one is just, they never take anything. No. I, I, I really like that. Um, well, we then cut to a really happening nightclub where there's some choreographed <laughs> group dancing. People are zapping their brains with some weird shock device that makes them float up to the ceiling it, it to party. It literally makes them high. Exactly. Castrated, <laughs> castrated drones are passing out cocktails. Kind of reminds me of my freshman year at Sam Houston State University. <laughs> When one chick floats up to the ceiling, Bill Cosby, sorry, Jason, <laughs> takes that opportunity to look up her skirt. Princess Karina walks by and reminds him, hey, you don't care about that. You're, you know, you're castrated. You can't be looking at that stuff anymore. Play the part. Um, Roscoe, who's been serving drinks, then enters a service elevator filled with robots. And he's startled when one of them raises his faceplate on his night helmet. Keith, is that right? Faceplate? Ah, good enough. Visor would be a better term. Visor. Okay. <laughs> Opens up his visor. That's good. He's here. Uh, lifts up his visor, and it's their cage buddy, uh, fellow prisoner Killjoy, who starts pounding the drinks off Roscoe's tray. Hey, can, can you bring some cake? Could you get me some cake or, or, or a sandwich? sandwich. Or sandwich. And Killjoy is surviving. Yeah. I like Killjoy a lot. I think he says that one. Like, what are you doing? Like, surviving. I'm making it to tomorrow, brother. Also, I love the fact that nobody questioned how, like, oh, robot, robot. 
giant, giant robot. <laughs> giant, no, giant knight. Knight, yeah. Like no, his his, robot, his, robot, his, yeah. He's like an actual suit of armor. Yeah, he was not in a, it was not a robot costume, but somehow he fit in with the robots. They didn't They didn't even question it. Even the robots were other, cool with it. They were a little intimidated by him, I think. Yeah, I think they were kind of scared. Yeah. Well, when I went into the monk's quarters, there was this, you know, armor outfit there. I just yeah, kind of fit monks, perfectly. Yeah, how did the monks respond to him? I wonder if they gave the monks sandwiches. <laughs> Well, their mini-reunion is cut short when Jason appears and tells Roscoe the princess is ready to see them. But Karina can barely tell the guys that she wants them to transport her to the pirate moon before one of the Templar bigwigs, Zorn, Zorn, sees her talking to them and orders his troops to seize them all. A fight, a fight breaks out, and Jason, Roscoe, Karina, and Killjoy all jump on a motorcycle to get away. Well, Killjoy's dragged behind it, actually. A lot of dragging behind going on in this movie. This is like the one of four dragging scenes we're going to see. <laughs> uh, and they proceed to get chased by a Death Race 2000. coordinator. What do you specialize in? Well, I dragging. know how to dragging. Dragging. Right. Around the neck? Okay, we'll do that. <laughs> Well, dude, they get chased by a Death Rates 2000 type cop car with spikes sticking out of the front bumpers. <laughs> and, uh. I like uh, how they're not concerned about anybody on the street. Bring out the car! Well, also, here, just like Death Rates 2000, the film is sped up, like, to comic standards. Like, like it's, it's just ridiculous. Roscoe and Killjoy get separated from the other two, and they're soon confronted on the street by a pimp bot. A colorfully lit up jive talking robot with a video screen on his chest of a prostitute kind of dancing around, and he asks them if they want to pump some kid local kitties. I'm pretty sure that uh, this would not go with the PC police today. A jive talking robot. Hey, blood! Yeah, why don't you get in my taxi over here? <laughs> yeah, asking to pump the kitties. Pump the kitties. You don't think that would fly these days? I, I kind of think I'm in trouble just for saying that. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're definitely in trouble. Uh, the droid says, Yeah, Bloods, I take water, gold, credit cards, and high-priced drugs as payment. Killjoy's all for it. Like, all right, let's do this. It's been a while. <laughs> Roscoe's like, we got bigger problems, man. Oh, but then the robot says, And transportation and exotic cribs are can't be included. They need transportation. Big time in a major way. So Killjoy gives the pimp bot a stolen gold necklace as payment, and they're on their way to meet Jason and the princess. Let's go, Bloods. This be my bad chariot. <laughs> yeah, you're right. They can never do that anymore. He's a funky little robot, though. He kind of remind me of uh, the Buck Roger Twinkie. Twiggy. Twiggy. Bitty, bitty, bitty. Yes. He reminded me of the <laughs> Buck Rogers. Which we'll actually get to meet. What? Really? Later, later. Gil Gerard? No, not Gil Gerard. Uh, Twiggy. 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 Wow. Right, we'll hold off on this. In this movie? In this movie. Oh, there was a Twiggy-like robot, a little shorter, but very Twiggy. No, the actual actor in the robot. Oh, really? Wow, I did not know that. Do we get to meet Aaron Gray as well? <laughs> oh, we can't go there. No. Aaron Gray's not in this? No, I was hoping so. We'd oh. be, you know, <laughs> we're we're going to meet anyone. I'm not going to meet anyone from Buck let, Rogers. Let's it's not, Aaron let's Gray. Let's not case started on Aaron Gray. I was like, I'm going to have to rent this again? <laughs> I'll serve it to you on a golden spoon. Oh, Aaron Gray. <laughs> okay. Well, just like that, the Ice Pirates blast off Mithra and set their course for Zagora, which should take them about three days' time. Karina shows Jason a photograph and asks him if he recognizes the man in it. Yeah, that's an old friend of mine. His name's Lanky Nibs, a rabble-rouser from the middle section. Two things here. Uh, this year, at all our Drew Estate events we travel to, I will be checking into my hotel as the name Lanky Nibs, if you guys want to find me. <laughs> 
And two, have any of you guys, when you're talking about me, ever described me as a rabble rouser from the middle section? And if not, will you? No. Please? Like, who's that guy you do the podcast with? Oh, he's a rabble rouser from the middle middle section. section. Just once. Lanky dibs. Just once will you do it? All right, once I'll do it, man. Fuck yeah. That's all I want. Uh, we'll check in. We have a re- we have a reservation for lanky nibs. <laughs> you know the famous rebel rouser from the middle section. One B in nibs. <laughs> Anywho, Karina wants Jason to set up a meeting with lanky nibs. What a name! Oh my god. <laughs> on the pirate moon, and she'll use the ice on board the ship as payment to get Lanky's attention. When Jason plays hardball and says, "That's our ice now," referring to him, Killjoy, and and Roscoe. She pulls a laser gun on him and says, you know, your idiot friend Roscoe already programmed the navigational computer. I can kill you all and take us there. They're like, oh, yeah, shit, she's right. All right, all right, we'll do what you say. Well played, princess. TNCC well style. TNCC style, <laughs> Good luck doing the podcast without us. Well, Tut turned on the camera and the audio and the beers are all poured. All right, sorry. <laughs> yes, so. It really is that simple. Back on Mithra, the head guy, Zorn, comes to consult with an elderly crippled man called the Supreme Commander, who's apparently eons old, and he has to hold Zorn's hands while he's filled uh, while he's filled in on the Princess Karina situation. And who is playing the Supreme Commander? Why, it's film legend John Carradine. That's right. Uh, man... His hands in this when he asked to hold they his look, hands were those prosthetic hands? Were those his hands? Oh no, because they were horrible. I had looked into it. Apparently, about four years he died four years after this film in '88. He had severe rheumatoid arthritis, yeah. but I could find nowhere that I mean they were his those nut- were gnarled. Well, like if you remember, that's just, like if, if they were prosthetic, they were really good prosthetics. They were. I think those were his hands. I think no, so. That's, like, that's severe. That's what it. Yeah. Severe arthritis. Like, looks if like you if you look at uh, Lee Marvin in the Maverick when he's holding the gun, he's not even really holding a gun because his hands are pretty much like this. So the butt of the gun's in his hands, but he's not even you know really along the trigger, and that's because he had a severe arthritis. Man. Uh, if they were fake, they'd look great. That was better than any other special effect yeah, they had, so if, I think they're real. If they if, if they so were too. real. Wow. Jeez. Well, the Supreme Camp Commander tells Zorn he must not fail in this matter, and his underling seems to understand the importance of this Princess Karina mission. I really didn't understand the importance of this Karina mission. Well, no, they don't tell us anything. I'm not uh, really sure why this scene was actually even needed. Because they had John they had Carrey. To convey yeah. Yeah. how important okay. it is, the mission. Yeah. I understand you, you got this guy, you need to use him, but yeah, I was just kind of like... Eh. If it were a real movie, I could see where like we have to, like at the end when it's revealed that they've been plotting this thing... It was like, foreshadowing. It was foreshadowing, it was, it was. but in this movie, yeah, you technically didn't yeah. need it, but you got... You got I think there was Harry. probably more that they cut out that would have explained a lot more <laughs> that... I Maybe would have made sense. I don't think so. I don't think John Carradine was getting off that stretcher. <laughs> no, I no. think they brought him on set on that, and they're like, "What do we do? Is leave him on there?" Was it a stretcher, or more like a like a gravity anti gravity <laughs> machine? It, it, it was a it was a yeah. space stretcher. It was a stretch. It was it was a stretch. <laughs> uh, 
Back on board the ship, uh, which has so many blinking light panels. I oh, could, I thought of Cody I immediately. I could see Jackboy at home just whacking off watching this thing. Oh, it was glorious. Everywhere you look, just a, he loves lit up 80s I don't wanna, just blinking panels. One of the actual designs for the Corner of No Hope was yeah. just a wall with that just wall, lines. What I was really more upset about is it wasn't like someone in the background look pointing towards the lights. <laughs> or one of the robots. Originally, Making sure or trying to get the lights to blink in sequence. Originally here, Keith, in the Corner of Hope, that whole back wall there was going to be, be like a Escape from New York control room, like just yeah. you know, a radar well, thing going Going back to Star Trek on the Enterprise. You know, they had just, just walls. And it's not individual blinking lights, but just no. panels moving because they only had three circuits. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but this thing had like a million lights going on. You had to just go crazy. I was. I really just wanted a, a, a William Shatner That's what I was looking for. airplane to Lieutenant, these lights, they're... Out of sequence. Put them in sequence. <laughs> well, Jason is radioing in to a fellow scallywag uh, station on the pirate moon. And while he's doing that, a bizarre egg hatches on the ground behind him, oh. unleashing a penis-shaped creature with lots of sharp teeth. It crawls up and attaches itself to the sleeping Roscoe and starts sucking on his back before he wakes up and tosses it off. It then quickly bites Jason and then slithers away. When the confused guys then look into the ship's manifest to see what this thing is that fell out of the storage closet there, their shoulders slump down. What was in that egg? Space herpes. Space herpes. Oh, and it gets worse. It was singular, space herpy. Space herpy. It was a singular herpy. (laughs) And it gets worse. They look at the thing, antibody unknown. So... It's just like Earth herpes. In 1984. Yeah, that's kind of a snow cure for space herpes. So the ship just got herpes. Did not see that coming. No. But it fits. Did you guys ever encounter space herpes on the Travis Tritt tour? Did we ever? <laughs> the tour bus? I'm just telling you, there was a route through Cheyenne that was just a... Great, Travis. We got bus herpes. <laughs> I bet it's that guy in the Viking hat playing the keyboard. Those horns. <laughs> well, next thing we know, they've arrived at the pirate moon. It seems like there's like two days of travel they just skipped, uh, glossed over here, but that's okay. We don't. They call that editing. We don't need to see everything. Yeah. The pirate moon is riddled with chaos. There's food riots, women beating the shit out of each other, midgets shining shoes. Take that, Mos Eisley. It's kind of a madhouse. It's like being hey, on the 50 yard line of a Raiders game. It is pirates. Uh, it, it, and again, every, the scenery looked really cool. My question: Who feels the need in this shithole to get your boots shined? Well, anybody with water. <laughs> oh, you think that's what it is? Who wants yeah. to? Uh, well, I mean, if you're he's a man of means. Who are you trying to impress? In this you don't hole? know. You might be going to meet the space pirate king. You gotta look good for that dude. All right. I guess if I was living this dystopian nightmare, I wouldn't be like. I'm going to do it today. I'm going to go see a little midget down the road and get my boots shined. Dystopia for you, but utopia for a pirate. Yeah, they do love it here. They do. When They, they settle right in like an old shoe. Okay. Um, like, uh, like all the locations, I thought the pirate moon looked great. So the gang meets up at the bar with Angelica Houston and Ron Perlman, who apparently just been sitting there getting drunk. For a week, waiting for Jason. Well, they, that was the they plan. successfully escaped. Yeah, no, that was the plan. Meet here. So they literally were on the moon, like probably like a couple hours later. Where's everybody else? Hey, boss, how you doing? Might as well. What are you uh, gonna do if you're a pirate? Drink, and wait. Saddle up the bar. Yeah. I mean, they had a ship full of ice. They were rich. We'd, we'd be good pirates. Oh, Drinking and waiting. 
That part, yes. But then you got to do stuff. But the actual doing stuff? Yeah, no, no, no. <sighs> uh, oh, yeah, watch this. Yaha! I bet we would be good pirates. Yeah, I don't know, man. Cue symbol noise. I don't think so. I think that if it was like, look, you have to do this in order to get the beer. Oh, well, yeah. Would you know which cable to cut so you could swing from it to no, the right the, spot? No, we're not, yeah. we're not swinging. The, yeah. the one that was necessary for the sale and <laughs> ruin everything. <laughs> Yaha! Yeah. Oh, shit. Kate goes flying up the mast. <laughs> <laughs> that's totally happening. Yeah, that's totally happening. Uh, man, I'm sorry for the first time because she was kind of not really profile. Angelica Houston looks, looks so good. sexy here. She does. I'm, like you. I'm, I've always, I always thought she was kind of mannish. Um, Angelica Houston, you mentioned the name, you don't think sexy. No, and you this, don't, but she, she was. Yeah, but no, I, I, I've talked with people that like were really like, no, Angelica Houston, oh yeah. And I'm like, why? Yeah, I no, can actually kind of see it now. Can you Do believe, I, guys? Say Morticia Adams? But, yeah, man, no, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. The cartoon Morticias are a lot better than uh, Angelica Houston Morticia. Man, the original Morticia was The I original Morticia was beautiful. Yeah. I'm just going to turn around and face the wall for the rest of this because... No, it's I'm, depressing to I'm hear. With, I'm with Kate. The original Morticia was the best Morticia. She, she, she did have a certain sexuality. Absolutely. Absolutely. But here it was right on display. Can you guys believe this? A year, 1985, a year after Ice Pirates, Angelica Houston won a Academy Award for Best Actress for Pritzi's Honor, directed <laughs> wow. by her, hus- her father, John Houston. That is quite a year. One year after she took this job... She won a Best Actress Oscar. So if you're an actor and you're like, are there any bad roles? No. You're an actor, you act. You take every job. And and she sold it in this film. You know, she she played yeah, that part great. of the uh, the badass swordswomanish. Yeah. And you know what? Her dad's John Huston. She didn't need this role, but you know what? You're not above it. You're an actor, you act. I like it. I like it too. Uh, that's just crazy. I wonder if she mentioned Ice Pirates in her acceptance speech. <laughs> probably. <laughs> yeah. No. I probably on YouTube somewhere. They explained that they lost most of... Uh, Angelica Houston and Ron Perlman explained they lost most of their shit due to a meteor hit. And then they also tell Jason there's a $2 million bounty on his head. Hey, maybe I'll turn myself in. That's TNCC logic. Uh... But her saying this attracts the ears of some nearby villainous scum, doesn't it, Yax? No, it does. Maida uh, Houston tells Jason that Lanky Nibs is in hiding. So Jason calls the midget waitress. A lot of midgets on the pirate uh, moon. Uh, I'm sorry, little people. Dwarves. Little people. This is 1984. They were called dwarves back then. And she has a name. Who is she? Patty Maloney. And she was Twiggy. She played Twiggy and Buck that, Rogers. Oh, nice. Beady, beady, beady. She was she was the one in the costume. Oh wow. I did not know that. All right, this is going to be my. Oh boy. They all look the same to you. She wasn't the poltergeist chick. Oh no, I thought no. she was too. No. Okay, I thought she was. I thought but she was. Ha- her voice. That's what you're taking. From that's me. what yeah. I want. Their yeah. voice. Their voices are all the same to you, <laughs> not me. You should be ashamed. I, I kind of was, because... Yeah. yeah. I'm curious. I wanted to ask. I'm sorry. All right. It's a fair question. It was a little mistake. <laughs> <laughs> wow. 
Uh, well, he calls the the uh, dwarf waitress over and says, "Bring him, bring us a platter of some of your solar steamers." One twenty-five. Uh, bring us a platter of some solar steamers and a round of drinks while I come up with a plan. Yax, can you add some solar steamers to the menu at the pub? They I always could. have solar steamers on the menu. <laughs> I could, but I substitute mushroom cast for solar steamers. No. <laughs> oh. And uh, Keithe, how what pub would that be? That would be O'Brien's Irish Pub in historic downtown Temple, Texas. Yes, it would. There you go. I, I told you I'd get it in there. There you go. <laughs> well, if they're going to make the fifty-mile trek to Sweetwater, where Lanky Nibs is laying low, they're going to need a land craft. You know, I have to stop you right there, because you skipped over the guy with the star-eyed patch. Oh, no, no, Patch. We'll get to him. Okay, good. Oh, yeah, he's coming. He's coming. Because I, 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 I recognize Patch. Oh, okay, I do not. Yeah. All right, this will be good. So Jason coldly tells Princess Karina, go sleep with that weird-looking frog dude at the bar. He can provide us with a land craft, i.e. land speeder, basically. Uh, but it turns out, when she goes over there, that he is a she. Frog. Not Am I allowed to say that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's fine. Am I in some kind of trouble? And she, the frog she, wants to talk to Jason, not Princess Karina. Joke's okay. on him. Uh, as he walks off, a big bad dude named Patch saunters over and asks the princess to dance. When she politely declines, he insists, and things go bad fast. He summons his buddy Dogbite over... And after he shows off his impressive swordsmanship, Keith, as a swordsman, was that? It wasn't that impressive. Angelica Houston had some impressive swordsmanship, but the guy chopping the table in two, not so much. No, yeah, so dog bite. Yeah. Uh, Maida swiftly lops off Dogbite's head. His head just plops off, and then she slashes Patch across the face and makes him apologize to Princess Karina. She can hold her own, boys. She can hold her own. She who's can pa- hold. Who's Patch? Patch. If um. Banana Splits, classic Saturday morning cartoon yes. adventure live action. Which this Halloween will be a sci-fi horror movie. Really? Oh, that's okay. Right. Yes. That's right. One of my favorites from my childhood. Oh, One yes. of the shorts they would always show is Danger Island, which featured the uh, the cry of the the leader of this this little band on this this island of Uh oh Chongo. That was Morgan, played by the same actor as Patch. Did you recognize him off the bat? Like I was like, "Who is this guy?" And I, I had to use uh, I had to use some sources on Google to find out why do I know this guy? Because I love Danger Island, which featured a young Jan Michael Vincent as oh, well. Oh, okay, okay. Jan Michael Vincent. Nice. All right. Uh, <laughs> look for the trailer for the upcoming Banana Splits horror movie. Oh, it kind of looks good. I, it, ho- it, I hope it, it features the, it the sour grapes bunch, which I don't remember, but it looks really awesome. So we cut to the barren wastelands of the pirate moon as the ice pirate solar-powered landcraft drives across the desert. So, from that scene at the bar, I'm assuming Jason went downtown on that weird alien froggy he-she to get the car keys to this thing. Hey, man, he's dedicated. Once again, here we are in episode 99, and I find myself typing up a sentence I never thought in a million space years I would type. Uh, I'm assuming Jason went downtown on that weird alien froggy he-she to get the car keys. Never thought that would happen. He-she <laughs> to get the car keys. That's nice. 
You know, you Uncle know Keith, did you see time. promise in me as a young man? Did you have any inkling it would come to this, where I'd be typing up senses about eating frog lady pussy? Uh, not that particular specific, no, but potential, yes. You, you delivered some one-liners as a <laughs> sub sub-kindergartner that were just stunning. Who do tell? Who uh, the one I remember particularly is uh, when you uh, were building a little stack of blocks. It may be a three-year-old. And they fell over. This is at your grandmother's house, my mother. And uh, you said, shit. And and grandma said, Matt, don't you mean shoot? And you said, no. At our house, when we do something wrong, we say shit. Which your mother heard from uh, <laughs> her mother promptly on. I love it. <laughs> you know what? In the corner of no hope, when we do something wrong, we say shit. I never heard that. Maybe I have heard that story. But <laughs> How's that for off the cuff? We're, man, we're gonna, we're <laughs> I thought when he was like, give us some examples, you'd be like, well, I don't Holy shit. He tossed we're me a softball. that on the back of the next t-shirt we do. <laughs> when we do something wrong. Yeah, we you were not for yet. You were three at the most. Okay. By the way, the uh, frog he, she kind of like spurred memory. I remember this scene. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say you kind of liked her. I mean, you know, if you're, I mean, she wasn't okay. that bad. Um, well, here we are, and I wrote that, so let's move on, please. Uh, well, speaking of her, him, whatever, she's actually driving the Landcraft. She did him one better. Like, I won't give you the keys. I'll be your chauffeur. He really went went to town. <laughs> Showed her a good time. And her boy toy Jason is seen in the passenger seat, wiping his mouth in disgust. So I guess that answers the riddle of what they did to get the, the land speeder. And she's repeatedly grabbing his crotch as they drive. So it's clear Frog Lady and her very impressive special effects tongue that shoots out <laughs> wants some more. Right, X? Absolutely. You know what I <laughs> want some more of, boys? What? That's right. Is it? Tobacco Special Cigars oh. from our friends over at Drew Estate. Brought to you by the same folks who created Sweet Jane, La Vieja Habana, and so many other classic lines. Available in your choice of either extra dark Connecticut broadleaf or natural Connecticut shade wrappers, they... Say it. Envelope. 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 Maybe I take the E off. Oh, wait, I did. Envelope. A Sumatra binder and Nicaraguan Criollo. Try saying that. You guys can say Yeah, that's it. Uh, filler leaves. Before aging, the cigars are slowly infused with Nicaraguan and steak-grown coffee. The smoke is medium to full-bodied, depending on the wrapper. Its rich tobacco flavors commingling with the unmistakable aroma of coffee and some sweetness. A perfect early morning cigar or after-dinner smoke. And if you don't believe me, then go try one yourself and let me know that I'm wrong. You won't. I've yet to have anyone message me. I bought some. You guys are completely off base. I'm telling you, when you wake up and you're out in that backyard before that sun crests and gets to 99 degrees with 110 uh, heat index, the heat is enveloping your body. So when you get up, in the, when you get up in the morning and you're on your back deck and you light up that tobacco special and it's a nice, cool 83 degrees in the morning, yeah, it's gonna taste good. It is. You will be commingling with that cigar and your back porch. <laughs> I think I used that right. Uh, Becoming one with. I remember I went to California one time and mm-hmm. I went out onto their back deck at like seven in the morning, 
It was like 60 degrees in like August. And I was like, okay, now I get it. You got to deal with earthquakes. And I wish I had some tobacco special and when I was out there. This is, this is the back deck of California. Yes, <laughs> yes. Man, it's pretty big. You know, you've been there. I have been, yeah. <laughs> Back to the movie. The Landcraft itself looks pretty damn cool in these scenes. I mentioned Death Race 2000 earlier, and much like that film, they created some really cool-looking vehicles in this movie. So the gang arrives in Sweetwater, Population 1, where trespassers will be violated. I need a sign like that on my fence. Uh, And Jason, the princess, and a robot soldier make their way into town. And by town, I mean like three crumpled-up tents. Tents. That's, That's about it. Um... I feel like this was like a remnants of some like pre-Burning Man. Maybe. Like, it was a hive of scum and villainy. It was the first Coachella. It was the first Smoldering Coachella. Man. Smoldering <laughs> Man. Oh, there, but there are some donkeys and pigs and chickens around Small there. ones. It's very small. Little babies. Yeah. Baby donkeys. Babies. And there they find the elusive Lanky Nibs, played by the doctor from The Exorcist. Correct. Uh, Jason asks, what happened to your bod, man? And Lanky's like... My bod? Your bod! I don't know why I like that little exchange. Uh, and Lanky explains he went through a time warp is what happened to him, and he lost 20 years of his life in 20 seconds. More foreshadowing. Yeah. And it sounds like what happened to Tud at the Connecticut barn smoker last year, am I right? I don't, know how much, I don't know how much of my life ticked off that Sorry, night. I, I know we agreed not to talk about that, but it was too easy. Uh, you were Lanky Nibs that weekend. That was something, Nibs. Lanky tells Karina that he met her father. He had, her father had, in fact, discovered the center of the seventh world and predicted an end to the intergalactic wars. That's right. He discovered water. But he was soon met by the damned Templars, who massacred her father's entire crew to keep their power, their control over the galaxy. Yep. Uh, Lanky Nibs survived by playing dead and then stealing a ship to escape. TNCC stuff. <laughs> Shit's getting real. <laughs> Here. <laughs> uh, Lanky tells the princess that it's possible her father's still alive, but if so, he's being held in the tri system by some dude named Wendon. Suddenly, a group of bounty hunters show up on the scene, led by Patch. Uh, before you get to Patch, though, and the bounty hunters, Ty, you are well into the last third of your cigar. Mm-hmm. Uh, Keith, you're a little over the halfway point. Yaks, you're a little over the halfway point. I'm definitely in the final third of mine. Uh huh. Anything new? What are you getting? Uh, a little bit of woodsy character coming into it. Okay. But uh, for the most part, that leather is still great. It's a great leathery cigar. Uh, you're still getting a lot of nice little spi- uh, pepper on the retro hill that I really appreciate. So I, I kind of like it. I like that little barkiness that's coming in. Uh, the woodsy bark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little bit of oak. Not hickory, not pecan. It's it's oak. I was thinking walnut. It's getting walnuts. Walnuts. Walnut buckeyes. Yeah. Yeah. Could be buckeye bark. Yeah. Little horse chestnut. Um, I am getting. It, it, it does have kind of a an oakiness there in the final third, but the leather is still there. The chocolate has kind of faded away. Yeah, yeah I'm not really tasting uh, chocolate at all. Uh, man, the spice for me is 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 just very minimal on the nose. Um, but the creaminess is still there. Yeah, mm-hmm. boy. The spice is actually picked up for me. Has it? Well, you're a little bit yeah in the mid in the mid section yeah. there. Yeah. So um, still getting some uh, cream. Still touch of cream. Uh, wood, leather. 
the I don't know. I, I I'll just say. I mean, the the pepper is like, I mean, doubled, tripled right now. That's what you had too. You thought the spice yeah. really picked up too. Mm-hmm. Okay. Keith? As a noob, I uh, I got to say, I think I'm in the late middle here, too. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it is quite peppery, but not – it's it's very pleasant still all the way down, which I'm, I'm – you know, I'm pleasantly surprised. I'm, I'm enjoying it. It's mm-hmm. not – I care about my voice, make sure everything is smooth, sure. but, um, but you know, make sure the baritone is well taken care of. But mm-hmm. it's – this is nice. I like it a lot. And it's not really a powerhouse cigar. It's oh, not. It's not. It's, it's, not not at all. it's blowing it's you away medium. off of it. Straight yeah. medium uh, strength and medium kind of in the in the flavor profile. Yeah. Um, I appreciate it a lot. Keith, could you see yourself where maybe you wouldn't earlier if you're you know somewhere and you kind of killing time and you see a cigar lounge? Could you see yourself going in and? Getting a beer and a cigar, and I, I could though. I, I, I'm sure if I ask for the uh, the Buckeye, that they're probably going to look askance at me now. Now residing in Florida, but uh, we're going to need to send Keith a care package so he doesn't have to look. We'll just send him some good stuff. If it's a reputable cigar lounge, they'll know. They'll know what's up, and they'll be like, "I'm sorry, it's not Lawless Day." If you say you like Willie Herrera blended sticks, they'll steer you in the right way. Willie Herrera, Willie I can Herrera. ask for that. Uh, okay, you want to do price point? Man. Considering you bought these, this shouldn't be a difficult task. I'll go next. Apparently, to, I'll he go, bought more than these because he said he smoked it. I'll go them. next to last. Next to last. All right, Yak Boy, start us off. Hmm. Hmm. I'll go. Limited release, Ohio only. Two of the big names in cigars. I'll go ten fifty. Drew Estate and Crown Heads. Ten fifty. Ten fifty. No price is right. You can't go ten forty nine. Damn. <laughs> you can. You can that was my it. first thought. We that do it all the time. We do it all the time. Yeah. Uh, you want to go next to last? So Keith, uh, would you would you feel comfortable paying around ten bucks for this? For, for this cigar, ten Good bucks seems pretty reasonable. I mean, I, I'm not definitely up on cigar prices, but it definitely if this was under ten, I I think it would be an insult to the cigar. We so that's high yeah. price. Well we equate it I often equate it with drinking because well we do so much of both. But <laughs> but if you're sit down in a bar for two hours, what are you gonna spend on drinks? You know a pint of good beer at a good bar is eight bucks, ten bucks. Eight bucks you know, ten nine bucks. is you know is, is pretty common. Then you tip another one or two to make Correct. sure the bartender comes so back. So if you can pay ten bucks for a cigar, that same duration, that same two hours, where you're just it's a singular smoking experience. To me, that's a no-brainer. I'm not going to complain about that. Tut, ten fifty, ten forty-nine. I was going ten fifty-one. Oh, ten fifty-one. Yeah, go I'm going to go up. Ah, uh, I go twelve fifty. Twelve fifty, and you'd be okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. Nine eighty. Oh, gotta love it. That's a good price point. <laughs> it's an awesome a, price it's point. A really for good it. price. Ohio is kind of a bargain state. You know, there's a lot of things <laughs> in it. <laughs> it is. It is. Uh, you know, actually, your childhood home is for sale right now in Ohio. I've uh, my my cousin Samantha back home sent me the the listing. I saw it. It was uh, seventy-two grand. I believe it was a uh, foreclosure. Is it? I didn't know. Yeah, it. I, 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 it's I, on. Uh, it's on the MLS listing, so it could um, be. So it's yeah. not an auction. 
64000 I think, is the listing price. Yeah, which is which way... Is a, it's a nice little house. It's, a, it's got incredible, a... Incredible, actually. It's right two blocks from the best elementary school in town. Parkway Are Elementary. Are you kidding yeah. me? Yep, no, Parkway Elementary, two blocks down. That jack, if you're in it's Texas, two blocks that from Jack Street, that the main up. street through town. Yeah. Uh, which, which yeah. I'll give a little shout-out. The uh, College Station Restaurant, my... My other side of my family, the Howes and the Cades, my the Cades own uh, that restaurant right down the street from my old house. Best food in town. Man, usually if you're that close to a really good elementary, that's going to jack that price up. It's it's you know it's two story house. Yeah, uh, but I have basement. no clue what Ohio yeah, it's had a, prices are. It had a nice are. deck added to the back. Yeah, apparently, it was not there when you were smart children. You know, don't have Grandpa's treehouse built for me out behind I'm the garage like, yeah. anymore. I'm like uh, the remind me, I have a I have a story about Grandpa for you. Okay, and it ties in with Aaron Gray. Go on. If you tell me our my grandpa banged Aaron Gray, I'm gonna my head's <laughs> no, gonna explode. I mean, right he, he was a silver fox, but not quite to that degree. <laughs> my God, I can't handle that kind of. Do you want to hear it? Yes. Okay. Uh, I was watching uh, Buck Rogers, uh, specifically because a certain lycra-clad Aaron Gray was was definitely a oh, at yeah. her peak uh, in the, in that series. The peaks. Uh, yes, and you know the purple, the little purple to pinkish little lycra one pieces she would wear in that. Oh yeah. Uh, and. Uh, my, your grandfather uh, came through, uh, Doctor Dave, and actually did a like a little <laughs> stutter step one. <laughs> Who's that? When when she appeared? <laughs> it's Aaron Gray. How yeah, you not? it's uh, like that, that's Colonel Deering. Well, Grandpa was a so uh, yeah, good taste. Very good taste. Yeah, yeah, getting all types of good stories tonight. <laughs> Well, suddenly, a group of bounty hunters show up on the scene, led by Patch, the uh, the big guy that we saw in the bar, and they're in the coolest fucking vehicle we've ever seen here on the podcast. This is an iconic, iconic vehicle. As soon as I saw this, I didn't, I didn't have to have this vehicle seen to jog my memory of this car. Yeah. I knew it. This thing has a giant skull on the front and the biggest tires ever. <laughs> It looks yeah. like it rolled off right off of the Mad Max set. <laughs> it, what, um, no, that was the comment I heard from your uncle, uh, Brent, was, wow, this is right out of Mad Max. Oh, did he watch it with you? Yeah, he uh, did. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, like, for some reason I like this more than the Mad Max stuff. Oh, yeah. Because Mad Max had a budget. Like, I don't know what this budget was, but, like, I'd say how much of it went to that car. Like, holy <laughs> smokes. <laughs> we want to make a, a village in the desert. Yeah. But you want your car, right? Yeah, just throw some old tarps on that. They kit. spent they spent fifty bucks on the village. They spent one hundred and fifty thousand on this one. How this big car. do you want the tires? Uh, the biggest ever, like in a movie? No, like ever, ever. The bigger biggest, than the vehicle. The biggest, bigger is, than the vehicle. This is probably where the owner of Bigfoot said, "Oh, this is, a, this is it's a monster like truck this. from before monster truck." Oh my God. And, and Patch was wearing a Viking helmet with horns. Tactically, he's not secure. No, it, no. Doesn't, it doesn't pay off for him, does it? That is no, correct. It does not at all. <laughs> Holy shit, was this car awesome. <laughs> Jason, Karina, and Lanky Nib start running away, and Frog Lady drives her car into the school vehicle's path, blowing up her car to save the man she loved. Yeah, she or at least lusted. Or lusted. Jason yeah. must be really, really good. I'm sorry we didn't get to see that tongue in action again, though. That that yeah. special effects yeah. tongue was impressive. Team. Well, I don't think we need... Oh, you mean hers. Hers? <laughs> yeah. Her tongue... No, not his. No. Was I the only one that wanted to see him when he was waving his lips go... 
Tastes like chicken. See, uh, I didn't read that scene <laughs> quite that way, but I, I'm, I'm accepting your version. Yeah. Kind of the same way, but it's Kate, so I'm just going to go with it. So the murder machine (laughs) drives through the camp. No, it drives over the camp. It destroys everything. Sweetwater is completely destroyed, and the gang barely escapes in another land craft. Uh, Did you all notice Karina's robot soldier? He got run over by the monster thing once, and then it came again, and he was listening to Lanky Nibs. He played dead. <laughs> he like he's, you could see him. He did. Like, oh. He pop up. Yeah, <laughs> played dead. Uh, they are quick to adapt. They're like the T two from uh, Terminator two. They're learning computer. They can yeah. learn. C three PO would have done that though. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, he didn't do so good on Bespin. Mm. Well, after being dragged behind the landcraft, our second dragging scene. Uh, he uh, Jason then makes his way. He flips up onto the bounty hunter's vehicle. He yells out a "Yah!" Still pirate. Uh, and Who's he good shoves dragging it. scene, by the well, way. On one of their one. guys got dragged over dr- under the wheels, and when like they he went, nibs. and when they went, no, one of their dudes. Oh, one of their yeah, dudes. Yeah. And when pushed. they went to see what happened to him, he jumped up there and just started shoving them all overboard. <laughs> In order, like six of them. Went, <laughs> yeah, he just kept looking. You think that sixth guy would have been like, no. "Okay, I'm going to brace myself." If no. you're a good pirate, you have one tactic: you use it over and over and over again until it doesn't work. And maybe you shouldn't have yelled "Yah!" as you <laughs> jumped up on their thing. Uh, well, he shoves them all overboard, and then just before the skull car runs into a fuel depot, he jumps off, uh, and it bursts into flames. By skull card. Well, Linky Nibs then dies for some reason. I never saw their vehicle really suffer any kind uh, of damage. He actually, he actually got ran over, and I'm like, you know, for a guy who just got ran over by those tires, he looks pretty good. Yeah, he looked great. Like I didn't understand why he was dying. I didn't. I missed. He got, that. He got ran I, over. Oh, okay, I missed that. Well, he, right. His back was broken, and his back was broken. Yes, oh, I'm yeah. sure with that, there's you know internal injuries, yeah. crushed organs. Sweetwater didn't seem like it had an ER or any kind of. You saw what was baby donkey's <laughs> gonna do for him? Hey, what did mash do with surgical tits? masks on? <laughs> <That's true. laughs> I never. Uh, there's no Hawkeye here in Sweetwater. <laughs> no, he never well, hawk. Yeah. Well, with his dying breath, he tells Jason to find Karina's father in the Tri-System and find the Seventh World. You must do this. So Jason, Karina, and a robot then walk on foot the 50 miles back to the rest of the group. So it is walkable. He didn't have to eat that frog pussy. They could have just walked out there. Why are you assuming it's a pussy? Because it was a girl. Okay. Or do you think she had both? She could have been an amorphous... Hermaphroditic? A hermaphroditic. She had both organs. Oh, God, that's more foreshadowing. Yeah, that is. <laughs> okay, he didn't have to blow frog ween. I, I could have walked. I don't think he did. I think he just was flirting enough and promising more later. You yeah, were reading they this. They show him wiping his mouth. Uh, I, think you're, I think you're yeah. superimposing yeah, on yeah, that. Maybe it was that nervous, like, oh, God, what do I got to do later? Yeah, that's what I think, too. I'm, uh, I've been wrong before. Yeah. Kate's all for the dive into the I frog. Mean, you know, they weren't driving through the desert, and he just shows him out. Because <laughs> when she reached for the crotch, he, he was like, hey, I'm get, you're getting more later. You're getting it later. There was a promise of things to come. Uh, okay. I, you know, I'll, I'll defer to the table on this one. I, I don't even That makes me feel a little bit better about Jason. Uh, I just thought he was lazy and like... Walk 50 miles or eat frog pussy. TNCC style. 
Okay. No, that, I mean, believe me, that's the. That's, I figured that'd be him. Like, do we really want to do that? That seems like a lot of work. Yeah, this is Spencer. Okay, since you said that that was TNCC style, I'm going to write that in my notes for later. If we ever come across this situation, I'm going to be like, Kate, you're up. How far is it? Uh, when they get back to their ship, Roscoe is dressed in a Revolutionary War general costume for some reason, and nobody questions it. Did you guys see that? Like, yeah, he's got it's the nice, one, the nice it's, epaulets on the shoulders. It's one yeah. scene where he's dressed like George Washington, and then it's just like, nobody's like, where'd you get What's that, that outfit? Yeah. Like, not, nope. Nobody talks about that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> despite their doubts, everyone is on board for finding the prince's father and the seventh world. We must honor Lanky Nibs. He must not die for nothing. So they prepare for blast off. They actually call it that. Ready for blast off. Blast off. Okay. Button. Oh, and they brought the donkeys and the pigs on board with them. So Chef Ron Perlman is looking up recipes featuring carrots and such to feed the animals. Uh, their new barnyard pals. He also bakes up an impressive looking turkey for the crew to feast on. But when he cuts into it, the first incision is the most important. He says something like that. Little chef hat on. I just, I just remember I looked away and then I looked back and there's the donkeys on board and I was like, all right, that fits. But they did follow them when they're walking back the 50 miles. They're, the the little oh, was there the a, mini pigs are following along. And that wide with shot them. in the desert. Yeah, you can exactly. Oh, okay, okay. Spotted pig, little pickeries or whatever they okay. are. Okay. Well, as Ron Perlman in his little chef hat cuts into this turkey he cooked for the crew, and the ma- the nanny and the pr- everybody's so excited. The space herpy juts his ugly little head out of the carcass, and everybody freaks. It slith- quickly slithers off again. And Princess Karina tells Jason that it's unforgivable that he knew space herpes were on board and didn't tell anybody. It's really not that dangerous, he tells her. That's not what I've been told, she says. Oh, my God. Quintessential 80s. It is 80s. I think I'm ready to officially say I love this movie. And it's also now very clear that Keith and I are indeed related. I don't need a DNA test. He's my uncle. Uh... The fact that you picked this is just <laughs> awesome. Um, so they arrive at the Tri System, and as Karina's robot maid bottle feeds the piglets, they're babies, they need their milk, uh, the rest of the crew watches Jason, Roscoe, the princess, and some robot soldiers make their way out of the ship. It's a planet covered with a thick layer of smog. Keith, you live in California, you probably know what that's all about. Smog? Well, that's more Southern California, but I'll, I'll oh, go sorry. with you that. Were, yeah. you're a little, okay. I'll go with the stereotype. Okay. Uh, it's a, like I said, the the smog drifting over and the way they shoot it, it looks really cool. I mean, it looks like another world, which isn't easy on a budget. Uh, the team is confronted by a couple of scantily clad warrior bitches riding fucking unicorns. Amazons. Amazon bitches riding unicorns. And they take out the robots with ease. They're trained warriors. Uh, one unicorn loses his horn in a robot. That's just... 99 episodes, we've never seen a unicorn's horn get impaled in somebody. But I, cool. uh, and, and this is always one of my impaled. questions with the robots. Off. I'm like, you stabbed the robot, and it died. But it's a robot. What did you hit? Robot heart? It's ice, I mean, it's ice pirates, yeah. <laughs> I'm just... 
It was the eighties. I need to know it's a what the unicorn <laughs> stabbing it though. So yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's it's not it's just like a, yeah. just a whole. All right, all right we'll, we'll take you know the. They were nice spiral. Yeah, spiral a, unicorn horns. Yeah, they, were, they, were, they weren't they weren't cheap. Uh, well, these fiery chicks latched their bull whips around Karina and Jason's neck and dragged them back to their palace. Third dragging scene. Third dragging scene. Or third and fourth, depending how you how you count, because Jason and the princess. But actually, then that'd be like our fifth or sixth. Yeah. God, so much dragging. Well, here they are brought before the ruler Wendon, played by the one and only Bruce Valanche of Hollywood Squares fame. Later on, yeah, yeah after this, right next to Whoopi Goldberg, up he in the was all, he was yeah. always up in the corner. But uh, a great writer of, of gags early on, and is is big uh, over recent decades. For like two decades, he wrote the Academy Awards, like the opening jokes. Like he's a big award show. Yeah, yeah, he wrote uh, a lot of a lot of gags for a lot of people. Bette Midler, you know, just a lot of um, classic comedy one-liners. Yeah. Well, Wyndon isn't ready to hand over Karina's father. Uh, he has a pretty good setup here with all these hot bikini babes tending to his every need, which is mainly just bringing him water. I think that's the only need of his being met by these girls. Um, as he knocks... Oh, <laughs> oh, hold on. Just then, he orders one of his buxom warriors to kill Jay. He's had enough chit-chat. He orders... Uh, one of his girls to kill Jason with a battle axe. All of a sudden, Roscoe, remember him? He was he kind of fell behind. He swings down from a rope, pirate style. He does not do the yaha. Should have. And he knocks Wyndon's head clean off. Turns out, he's a robot. Uh, Karina holds her laser gun to Wyndon's robot head and threatens to blast him unless the highly attractive women back off. They release Jason, and the princess demands to know where her father is. Wendon says he can't possibly tell her that, as his severed head begs for a Tylenol. This is a wisecracking severed head. Um, but Jason tosses his noggin over to Roscoe. We'll see about that, you fat-faced little freak. What are you going to do? Are you going to stab me? You gonna... No, no, no. He grabs a feather off one of the girl's <laughs> things and starts tickling Wendon's nose. Five seconds tops. Oh no, less than a second. <laughs> he like, gave up immediately. It was like a little tickle, and like all of a sudden, Wendon's just talking away. Okay, okay, your father's in the Oval Room. So they race up to the Oval Room where Karina rushes into her father's arms. Only it's not her father, damn it. It's an Omega robot made to look like her father. Jason drops Wendon's head on the ground. Ouch! I like Bruce Valanche in this. I thought it was. You're calling him robot. I think it's more of an android. I think that the head was still flesh and the rest of the body was robot. I think you're right. That's the way I read it. Anyway. Yeah, I think you're right. Or is that cyborg? Yeah, more cyborg. I'll give you He's cyborg. He's a cybernetic yeah, organism. There you go. Good, Good job, Todd. Sit back to the future. Arnold and Bruce Valanche. <laughs> yeah. We can rebuild him. <laughs> but do we want to? <laughs> Well, back on the ship, it's revealed that Wendon's uh, severed head has been hiding a ring belonging to Karina's father in his mouth this whole time. What else do you have hiding in there, Jason asks. Nothing. Do you want to make a deposit? That was uh, one of the more interesting it's lines. kind of a racy line, right? <laughs> I thought it kind of was, too. Hey, hey, hey. Whoa. Hey. hey. Uh, none of the gayness was underplayed in this movie. Put no, it that way. no, 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 no uh, underplaying at all. It is out there. Uh, I thought that was funny. I can see why he writes for all those award shows. Yeah. 
uh, he's got good quips. Well, that ring of her father's unleashes a hologram of him, like Princess Leia in Star Wars. Um, and he tells her the coordinates to the seventh world. Two, eight, three on the Iona projection. No deviation from those coordinates is permissible or they'll be suspended in a time warp forever. you got to get it right. The hologram tells Karina that he loves her. And then it fades away. She cries a little bit. Last. I gotta say the real father was far more robotic than the robot <laughs> father at all. Agreed. All I've this isn't my father. Are you sure? Because he just sounded really, really robot-like. All right I've there. Thought of you as Karina. Yeah, he was bad. I love you. <laughs> yes. The hologram uh, tells Karina he loves her. It goes away. Everyone is a believer now. Their coordinates are set in the ship, and they're off to save the galaxy. Oh, and Killjoy grabs Wyndon's head and starts going back to his quarters. I've been wanting to get a little head. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think he's getting that deposit he's looking for. <laughs> yeah, he's going to get, he's gonna get uh, something. Poor guy. Oh, I don't think he'll be complaining. Uh... <laughs> You know what? I like Killjoy. He was kind of like a poor man's Lyle Alzado. Oh, it can't he was. Yeah. 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 And a natural actor. Uh, yeah, but he was he was really natural on screen. Yeah, no, he he fit the movie perfectly, and yeah, just... He was good. I kind of thought of him as like Ogre uh, from Revenge of the Nerds. Uh, there's oh, once... There's you know, one he would have been good as that. Uh, I thought... I thought... No, I thought this guy brought a little more... Ogre... Uh, I like this. I, he, this guy had kind of a a, a lighthearted. Uh, oh, there was definitely a lighthearted for such a big, imposing guy. Yeah, he had kind of a gentleness to him, yeah. which I don't think Ogre could could. It would have been a very different character. I think Ogre could pull that off. I think and you know, Ogre would have wanted to wear a hat with with horns on it. Didn't he? <laughs> he would. No, I think he, he, he did. Yeah, 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 when he went yeah. down the stair slide, didn't he have Viking horns on? No, uh, no, at the games, at the Greek games, the, Greek games. the, the, the yeah. tricycle race. No, no, the uh, the the, the horse. Trojan horse. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, all right. <laughs> uh, well, later Jason pays Karina a visit in her quarters, and he's changed now into the classic. Speaking of Seinfeld, puffy pirate shirt. I almost wore that. You have one? I do. Why? Uh, Renfest. Travis, Travis, Travis Tritor? No, Renfest. Oh. His shirts were special. They had no buttons at all. You had to tie it around the midriff. Or there just was big, no other option. There were no big, buttons available. Just a big knot. Yeah. yeah. You should have worn that. Right? I, if, nah, no, I wouldn't wear that. <laughs> no, it's a shame. Keith, when you were at the Renaissance Festivals fighting and selling armor and you saw yeah. a guy like Tut show up with his puffy shirt... Were you appreciative of guys just going out there in the spirit of things, or were you like, this guy's a poser? Um, I was appreciative because usually they did actually like spend some money on, on really oh, yeah. ill-advised things. <laughs> but other than that... That is the actual <laughs> summation of all my reference. No, that, that's what it said on the price I spent money tag. on ill-advised things. <laughs> that's what it said that, on the that's price That's what the Renaissance Fair is about. You know, that, that, they What's the cost of this? My dignity. Oh. <laughs> I'll buy it. <laughs> but no, I've been to some Renaissance festivals. We went to one uh, five years ago, I guess. And boy, the outfits—some of the just not the employees, but just the people would would make these glorious costumes in order, and then pay admission to get in to have someone say, "Hey, that's a glorious costume." Yeah, thank uh, you. Yeah. I paid a lot of money to or hear you say that's that. Still advised. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Actually, my kilt uh, I got at a Renfest, and which you, he does wear regularly. Oh, I, I have several kilts. Yeah, and it was interesting because uh, a lot of the comments I get when people were like, "Oh, you wear kilts? What tartan?" And I'm like, "I I don't yeah. wear a tartan. I just it's a black utility kilt." Because I'm from Texas. Yeah, I'm from from Texas, and so it's just black. It actually has a logo on the back that says Utilikil. No, no, it's not that. Uh, There's a brand name, Utilikil. I think I got mine from like Commando. He got his like a a, a knockoff (laughs) Utilikil. That is the little brand name. (laughs) They have pockets. I have a Utilikil. Mine does. Six pack of beer in various pockets around it. You know. Oh, we need to get those. Yeah, yeah. 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 Now make fun of me, motherfucker. Genuine Carhartt's material <laughs> that you know that fourteen ounce heavy duck yeah. and that that unique tan with a yeah. hammer holder, you know, and everything. Yeah. Oh man, now you're talking. Yeah. All right. Now make fun of me, motherfuckers. <laughs> Ill-advised. Ill-advised. <laughs> uh, well, when he goes to a room, Karina has just received a massage from her helper robot. He was listening through the door. She was moaning in XC. And Jason's a little bit jealous. That's a lot of body for him to rub, he says. How would you know, he says. Because I've been observing it for the past four billion miles. I actually like that's that a line. Good line man. I actually like that line. Oh, that's a good line. And it works. As they start making out, hot and heavy. Yax, was it hot and heavy? It was indeed yeah, I think so, too. They are t- just pummeled by the passion storm. Well, literally he pops in his audio-video mixtape entitled Passion Storm <laughs> into the 8-track. <laughs> and it's game over. By the way, if we ever manage to finally get our shit together and start that jazz fusion trio... Passion Storm. Passion Storm. That's our name. <laughs> that whole scene just bewilders me, though, because they have no concept. They, they laugh the idea that there may be rain falling from the air, and yet he's got it on video. He's got breaking waves. He's got rain it falling no, on them. Like, is it virtual reality? But they're actually, it's creating rain on them. <laughs> yeah, which is the most valuable substance in the world. You think they've it's quite a mixtape. It's yeah. quite a oh, mixtape. Well, I think in, in the instance tape. of this movie, make it rain literally is make it rain. Yeah. <laughs> Look how rich I am. I'm making it rain. It's playing music. It's showing waves crashing on a on a screen. It's raining on them. Uh, man. So she tears off his puffy Tuttle shirt, and it's go time. <laughs> As they start going at it full steam ahead, she asks him, shouldn't you be back at the controls? If you insist, he says, and then he smiles and goes downstairs on her. This is what I did to the frog. <laughs> Which, don't you think she was in the back of her mind like, he just did this to a frog lady. But the you're the night. only one he thinks he did do it to a frog. Yeah, like, <laughs> Karina didn't, and you guys didn't. So, yeah. Uh, Actually, uh, give me the other one, the uh, tartan. Not to mention there's rampant space herpes aboard the ship. The really? wee thingy, if. Uh, no, yeah, there's no, there's no more really waiting for them to like, those, cut away to the, the herpy over in the corner <laughs> just like shaking its head like, yeah. <laughs> oh, they should have showed that herpy over there. Like, oh. Still here. <laughs> Control center in D. Uh, uh, okay, so we agree that the frog lady didn't enter her mind. Um, whatever, it was the 80s, I suppose. Anyhow, they make sweet space love as his passion storm experience projects crashing waves and raindrops cascading all over their naked bodies. Hands on top of the table, fellas, when I talk about this stuff. No. Uh, no. You guys never agree to that. Uh, but no, we sadly do not see Princess Karina's royal boobs. You know, I have to say about Princess Karina, though, no one has mentioned her vital importance in American culture. She was on Dallas. Not just on Dallas. She shot Jr. 
I looked at her bio and I saw she was on Dallas, but yeah. I was never. A, she <laughs> is the answer to the quintessential '80s TV question: Who shot Jr.? Which I'm surprised I didn't see it because my grandmother basically hogtied me on Friday nights after the Dukes of Hazard to watch Dallas. But man, you got hogtied after. Wow, <laughs> oh, I, I can't even say it. That's a, another podcast. Uh, man, that's good trivia. She's beautiful, but you know what? If she had shown her boobs, then this movie no. would officially and, have everything. And she's <laughs> Bing Crosby's daughter. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> the fact that you stumped those two. It's easy to stump me on this trivia stuff. You guys have to understand some things about your host, Matt Cade. I come from two families, the Howes with Keith, the Cades. Uh, the Howes are, are extremely bright, very uh, knowledgeable people who are just curious about everything, and they just soak up knowledge like a sponge and somehow retain a lot of it. Um, the other side are just really good at partying and having a good time and drinking. And uh, it, it, it's always been, a, I know you guys are going to fight me on this, but I've always thought the Cade side kind of uh, took precedence with me, the partying and the, the drinking. I know you're thinking... Cade, you're smart. No, you're the lack Kate. of curiosity. Yeah, you've yeah. learned so much over the years, um, and the other side just erased it with the rampant alcohol abuse. Uh, well, so much lost knowledge. When you were there every step of the way, you son of a bitch. You can't prove that. <laughs> no, I can't. I forget <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's man. Shot Jr. and Bing Crosby's granddaughter. Daughter. Daughter. Oh, daughter. Yeah. Oh yeah, I guess eighty-four. Man. Yeah, I can't believe I let that one slip through the cracks. Good job, Keith. Hey, I'm here for a reason. And it's not just a pretty voice. Uh, man, awesome. Well, out of nowhere, an alarm starts sounding in the control... Turns out he should have been in the control room. An alarm starts sounding. <laughs> I'd, I'd venture into that control room. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, radar shows a Templar ship is approaching them at unthought-of speeds. They can't avoid it or they'll be lost in the time warp forever. They click on the video monitor, and old evil Zorn, that guy, pops up telling Karina she's done what they could never do. She's led them straight to the seventh world. It was all set up. Boo. This whole time, they were setting her up. They let her escape, Which just like they let Leah escape. Uh, most I, or the you know, it was all orchestrated yeah. by the supreme commander and Zorn to find the seventh world. They seemed like a bunch of guys with clumsy robots, but they actually knew what they were doing. They knew what you're they part were of doing. the Seventh World Alliance, and you're a traitor. <laughs> well, they have to s- somewhat fuck with the time warp to avoid being taken over by this approaching enemy ship. So as they prepare for battle, uh, Jason asks. They're so desperate for soldiers. Jason asks, Did "Anybody get a body for Wendon yet?" Bruce Valanche is still ahead. They're like, "Get him a body and a sword. We need everybody." Um, get this as they kind of flirt with this time warp thing they're all getting slightly older by the second they're literally aging a day for every second it's a cool plot thing they start doing here yeah never seen this before the Templars board the ship and their robot soldiers begin fighting Roscoe's robot soldiers and it's it's a slaughterhouse like the bad guys are winning big time 
As Jason ages rapidly, he grows a full beard in under a minute. Uh, the pirate robots are, are just, they're getting knocked down right and left. So much so that one of the last remaining robots, when they're like, get out there, they're having to like shove the robots out. They're scared. They show one of the robots pissing himself. That was cool. That was nice. That was a cool touch. I like the bolts and the nuts that actually. <laughs> no, they showed the little bolts and nuts. <laughs> uh, which is why we told Tut to stop wearing his kilt on the show. Occasionally, show your bolts and nuts. Wyndon, now whole again with a robot body, arrives on the scene and tells Jason that the princess is pregnant. Remember, time's speeding up and they just did it. As he rushes to see her, he pushes past the baby donkeys and pigs, which are now full-grown donkeys exactly. and pigs. That was a nice touch there. It's a great you know touch. It actually, it actually that, was a good that touch. That was a great touch. Yeah, that's why they followed for 50 miles as little donkeys and pigs. I need these guys. Yeah. I love, love that scene of him pushing past the grown-up donkeys in the hallway. <laughs> the good news is that the robot maid has killed the space herpy. She stepped on it. So finally they got rid of that little guy. The bad news is that when Jason opens the door to Karina's room, their baby has already been born. Big surprise, Daddy. She Karina ain't happy about this. No. <laughs> oh man, and she plays it really well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, they're, they're no, both of these actually. Oh, they really, both. No, they both. Nice. Big surprise, Daddy. She says as the baby boy pisses in Jason's face. Yikes. At this point, if you're Jason, you're like, fuck the seventh world. Can we break the ship off into those pods again and get me the hell out of here? But instead, he identifies and said, yeah, that's my boy. That's my boy. He's pissing all over the place. But no, at that point, I'm like, you know what? This isn't my, not my monkeys, not my zoo. Get me out of here. Um, well, Jason, TNCC style, tells a very solemn-looking Karina, look, I'm sorry about it. Oh, my God. This was like, this was so... 80s. This is the most 80s thing about this entire... Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> it just bolts. The, the two most <laughs> illegitimate sorries in this movie are, I didn't tell you about herpes today, and sorry I got you pregnant. <laughs> no coincidence said by the same man. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, and dude, she just looks at him in pure disgust. When he's like, sorry about that, and leaves, she's like... Best movie ever? Maybe. <laughs> so the sword fighting continues. Uh, I sh- really should have brought the sword Keith got me for my high school graduation. That would have been a good prop tonight. Tell the story if you could real quick. You told on break to Cody. Keith got me this sword, and it's not just a sword. Well, you know, when you graduate high school, you get gift cards and, you know, whatever. He sent me this fucking sword... Tell me a little bit about the guy who made it. Uh, Kirby Wise, very unusual swordsmith. He learned swordsmithing as a young... I met him in his 70s, and he had learned as a teenager. He had learned from an old man who had learned to forge blades on a cavalry fort in Arizona in the, in the, 19, you know, in the 19th century, in the 1800s. Yeah. And uh, th- that that sword you have, the it's a spring steel. It's actually a, it's actually a leaf spring from a 1960s car, um, for hand forged into that medieval broadsword. Um, absolutely, it it will survive battle. It's, it's tough as hell, great steel. Um, but the man is he's. God, I, I believe he's still alive. He's, he's still alive, as far as I know. Uh, still worshiping all the. Uh, 
Azurist Norse gods. Well, that was the thing when you were when someone asked him if he. I actually accused him of. I I called him an Excuse me, an Odinist, and he was very offended because no, I worship all the Norse gods. I'm an Azurist. Yeah, Which I, I had never heard anyone say, no, I'm an Azurist. <laughs> uh, do not show up this man's property uninvited. There's there's semi-tame dogs guarding the ed- edge of the property, and uh, yeah, he's he's quite a fellow. Awesome. And I, want to, I want to show up on it. Master, teach me thy ways. <laughs> no, his son is carrying on the tradition now. He, I, I think there is a KirbyWise.com. Oh, really? Site. Yeah, I, I, there is KirbyWise website featuring his sword still okay yeah okay well it, it's one of my and and his his uh his armorer's mark is a thor's hammer stamped into each blade if you look at the base of your yep. blade right above the handle there's a thor's yep. hammer it's right there yeah. it's awesome it's one of my most treasured possessions um so um well these guys fight with non awesome swords and no, they're pretty feeble yeah and everyone's beards are just every time we cut to them they're just getting longer and longer and while all this chaos is unfolding, Jason's kid is like five now. He starts running around. The baby's like five. He's running around playing. Oh, and the nanny, she's a skeleton now. She's, she's, dead. she's dead. Oh, yeah. She's, she's dead. Uh, holy shit. This thing went off the rails fast. Not that it was ever really on the rails. No, but, but yeah. um, there were a few rails. It, it got rid of them. Uh, Roscoe now has a ridiculously huge white afro. <laughs> It's like five foot in <laughs> circumference. It's just, I mean, comically, like, they're not even trying anymore. And all white. Yeah. <laughs> Ron Perlman looks like Santa Claus. And fucking Jason looks like Charlie Daniels. He's <laughs> got, like, this long, you know, yeah. good little but, but, still, but still very nimble. Yeah. He's, I know, he's still moving around okay at this point. Uh, shit is just crazy. And old-ass Zorn enters the ship. Uh, same little template. bursts through the wall. Uh, with a new wave of robot warriors, and it seems that all hope is lost. Until, that is, Jason and Karina's son, who's now 30, <laughs> and played by Robert Urich, he swings down. <laughs> ah! Man. Yeah. This is a clever fucking... In another one of those shirts that ties up at the midriff yeah, with no buttons. Yeah, he's got a second touch shirt. <laughs> yes. As he's aging, though, from a baby to five, where's he getting the clothes changes? Dad's, dad's closet, man. Yeah. Maybe. Where do you, where do you find the, teen- where do you find the teenager? Club? He turned 30 in like 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, did, how did he learn to speak? Yeah, that's true. That's it, not a good too. It was the 80s. And it had that nice moment when the princess's hair as she's aged got so long, she's it's catching in robots <laughs> where she has to yank it through so she could tell him that I her mean, son that actually was nice. She goes running over. <laughs> I think that was an ad lib, but it was a good one. You know, I, I don't think that one. was refilmed or, or in the script. <laughs> Well, the kids, the 30-year-old kid, swoops in and kills Zorn, kills the robots. He totally saves the day, uh, slays everybody. He's the only person under 80. At this point, yeah. it's, it's up to him. <laughs> old-ass Jason and Karina embrace. He's a chip off the old block. And just like that, we're back in the control room where everyone is back to normal. Just like that. Yeah, it was they, a weird they, transition, they came, It was a weird cut. Like They, oh, got, they got through the... They got through the time warp, and they came back in the time warp somehow to the exact same place they were at when they entered the time warp. you got to hit it exact, like a pinpoint. Because they weren't one degree off course. Correct. You know who was? The Templars. Zorn. Zorn and the Templars, when they came back, they were a degree off course, so they're toast. Screw you guys. Uh, 
they see now the seventh world, which looks identical to Earth out their windshield, uh, and it's officially time to celebrate. They won. Killjoy kisses Mida. Yeah. 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 That was nice. Go Killjoy. Uh, Bruce Valanche uh, high fives a robot, and that's it. Uh, with all that water staring them in the face down on uh, the seventh world, Roscoe looks at Jason with a smile and says, We are officially out of business. In a good way. Yay. The end. 99 episodes in, I thought I'd seen it all. <laughs> you thought you'd seen this movie. I thought I'd seen this movie. Um, and whenever I look at my Uncle Keith now, I will think of one thing. The Frog pussy. Oh, really? I was thinking it was the clampy castration. And you know what? I'm actually going to accept you guys' theory, and I'm going to ditch that whole frog thing. I think you guys are right. I don't think you're ever going to let it go. Yeah. He's not. No. I think I might be right. <laughs> um, so thank you, Keith, for picking this movie. It was oh, you're welcome. Flash Gordon would have been fun. Um, There's a whole thing uh, with the boar worms, you know. But uh, yeah, and a lot of a lot of movies we could have done would have been great. But the fact that I it turns out I hadn't seen this was just hey, if I can find an '80s action sci-fi movie sci-fi that, that I haven't seen, I'm I feel like a winner. Yeah, you, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you, you should. Uh, so, kudos uh, to Keith. Tut, you liked it. Mm-hmm. You can give a thumbs up. I will. It's fun time. It's a fun time, especially even even modern days. I say if you're around that twelve to fourteen year old range, it's going to be a fun time. I think so too. It's and there's not nothing really that bad in it. No, your nah. first castration movie. You know, it's about right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's either Salo or this. Let's go this. Uh, so four thumbs up on the movie. Oh, absolutely. Are we going to go four thumbs up on the cigar? I will. I will. I yes. will. Yeah. Absolutely. I yeah. think so. Yeah. Uh, man, I really liked it. I might like it better than the La Karem that we did with Crown Heads. Man, they're I running I, neck and neck. I'll I wish, be interested to see what I scored this versus the La Creme. i got to wait till Lawless Day to get more of these. Though. I guess if I go visit uh, the Ohio Relatives... Well, actually, you don't because uh, Drew Estate announced a partnership with Crown Heads. That is a different cigar, though. But it's the same type of... It's Drew Estate Willie partnering Herrera, with, with Crown Heads. Correct. And they're basing that project off of this cigar. Oh, are they? Yes, they are. That's good to know. Uh, it's going to be one of their core lines, so it's so not it's going to be an exclusive. Nationwide. Man, I liked it a lot. I really did. Uh, really great flavors, good construction. Um, yeah. And I wish we had been able... They only had one six-pack of the Wee Heavy. That's why we only got one of those. Um, I really liked it. It was good. Uh, I, I like both beer. of them. It, it, it had a good beer flavor. Yeah. You know, just... Uh, it's honest, and it, and it was it was smooth, which um, man, a lot of the the Scotch ales, I've, man, it was really smooth. But I like the pale ale too. I actually um, like the pale ale better yeah. than the than the uh, wee heavy. That surprises me. Uh, well, I mean, the problem is is that when you when you say this is like uh, this is our take on a Scotch, the problem is is that I'm going to picture what a Scotch ale is, and if you don't match that profile. Which it didn't really have the strength and the bite of a Scotch Ale, so I'm kind of like, eh, it's a little off the mark. It was still a good beer, 
but for some reason that the description just kind of set me off there. Keith, did the Scots and the Icelandic people get along? Do you know? Well, they're both descended from, you know, the Scots got a lot of Nordic stock that came in there. Multiple waves of Vikings coming in into into what became Scotland. So there's some there's a lot of connections culturally and uh, and even, you know, genetically. So Well, that makes sense cuz this was the only beer I saw from Einstock? Einstock. Einstock. That kind of branched out, you know, to try a different nation's kind of style. You know, the Scotch Ale. Everything else they did was, I think they did a blonde. Um, they, they, I'd mean, be they, interested in that, actually. Do you have, I mean, a number of other beers? I mean, you know, most, your general styles, your blonde, I believe they do a stout, but. I mean, yeah, no, they do a porter. Porter, excuse me. Um, which I really... Yeah, sorry we didn't try that. No, they didn't yeah. have that either. I, what I, when they only had the one we had, I was thought maybe we could just get a six-pack of everything they do, but the only yeah. ones we had in stock were the, the pale ale and the... I'm curious the on that blonde with that Icelandic water. It's a light beer. Yeah, it's going to be nice, mm, crisp. You know, Viking blondes. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe they should like a little woman... Shield wearing, wall! She, maybe she's wearing the little horned helmet. Uh, which we know is bullshit. They never wore horns on their helmets. Which well, I, I bet you they did. Um, we just haven't found one maybe, yet. Maybe, you know, archaeologists you know. don't know everything. <laughs> no, maybe they don't. for Science. ceremonies, as you know, not like actual battle. But now I want to go to a Chicago Bears Vikings game and be like, it's bullshit. It's all lies. It's all lies. <laughs> be like Alex Jones done it. It's bullshit. It's lies. They never had the horns. Google it. Google it. Uh, so four thumbs up on the movie, four thumbs up on the the beers. Yeah, I'll, I'll yeah. Have I think we're a fan of Ein, yeah. Einstuck. Einstuck, yeah. Uh, the, the pale ale, you know, added a little kick that, and and, and I think what, what Tut says is very valid about the Scotch ale, but I, I like that they took the pale ale in a different direction. What we think of as a pale ale. I agree. I agree. Well, I mean, it it, it follows more with the the European style. I mean, yes. we say pale ale, we say IPA. Mm-hmm. Here, it's just you know, like I said, you know, it's West Coast. It, if it, you don't shovel in the hops, it's no good. Right. It's an IPA, right? This would be well, more like you put the, some uh, hops in it. You put some hops in it, <laughs> or did you put all, all the hops in it? This is like the New England style IPA. Get yeah. out. <laughs> I kind of want to go to Iceland now. I kind of do too. I'd like to go to Iceland. They got, they got volcanoes. They got glaciers. They got good beer. It's yeah. pretty. They have horns on their helmets. Blondes. Blondes. A lot of blondes. Yeah. A lot of blondes. Uh, you know, the Keith and I's descendants were Vikings from Iceland, actually. Really? I don't know. We had that many descendants yet. I mean, you got a couple, but uh, right. we had ancestors. Oh. If he's questioning, I call bullshit. Our ancestors, correct? <laughs> oh, okay. I, I'd see if we can catch him. In this a time warp thing still uh, still working no, on here. No, we don't. <laughs> he's come more than one degree off. <laughs> we don't come from any place cool like Iceland. We come from Wales. We come where from Wales. people give funny names. You know, like both your great grandfather and great great. Uh, they're both named Howell Howell. Howell Howell. Same last name. Which, if I ever bore a son, uh, I always pledged I would name him Cade Cade. I and my wife told me there's no way in hell that's happening, and 
But the yeah, point I mean, was, it's, it's, when they were it, growing up, they it, always thought that Pappy was in trouble because his wife was calling him Hal. Well, yeah, and even the gra- grandmother but on he, the other side, but the, the, the razor the, side, which you got to give credit to his his other side. You don't hear about that. You hear about the Howells, but the other side of his family, their last name is Razor. I mean, does oh, it get much on, better razor. than that? Come cool, on, man. Yeah. Oh, get this. This damn awesome. Get this. <laughs> Sounds it, like a stalker from Running Man. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> oh, no. Razor. It gets better. Keith's older brother, my Uncle Brent. Brent Razor Hal. That's his name. Yeah. He sounds like a wrestler. No, give a name. I thought you were about to say his name was Blazer. <laughs> no. Who do you, do you choose? Get- uh, I'm totally naming my son Tut- Tuttle. Yeah, but it, it's the per- it's the perfect thing. Tuttle. First or last name? Yes. 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 <laughs> Take your pick. I win. Take your pick. Uh, Tut. Would you be so bold to give us some links? All right, so if you're going to join us on uh, Instagram, which I highly suggest that you do, you get to see all of our wonderful pictures. And Insta Stories. And Insta Stories. You can follow us at TNCC underscore podcast. If you're going to join us on Facebook, you can join us at TuesdayNightCigarClub.com. If you're going to join us on, uh, subscribe to us on YouTube. You get to see all of our wonderful videos first. It is Tuesday Night Cigar Club. By the way, if you've got some uh, shopping coming up to do, which I know that you're going to do. Amazon Prime Day is coming up. Amazon Prime Day is coming up. Go to TuesdayNightCigarClub.com. Click on the Amazon uh, picture that we have in the right column, I think it is. A banner, perhaps? It is. That is correct. You've passed. It is an Amazon banner. Click on that. Uh, do your shopping from there. We get a little kickback off it of that. It costs you nothing. It costs you absolutely nothing. Uh and then if you're going to buy some cigars, you've heard some wonderful cigars that we promoted on this show. Go to uh, Famous Smoke. Click on that. If you order 100 bucks or more, enter the promo code TNCC20 and you get 20 bucks off. That's kind of like 20%. It's like 20%, which is a really good promo code. It's the best in the business. Yeah, it is. You can't beat that. Uh, and they have a plethora of crowned heads and Drew Estate cigars, so you're all set. What else do you need? And if you're going to do some voiceover work, go to KeithHal.com. KeithAHal.com. KeithAHal.com. It's been because fun. it's awesome. It's been fun, boys. Keith, I think I speak for all of us. You're welcome here anytime. Uh, you guys just want to replace Mency with Keith? Yes. There. Could you wear some doctor glasses? Don't call me doctor, but yeah, I could put on some glasses <laughs> if need be, and uh, he, I, ma- he makes us call him doctor. Yeah, but I don't know. Can you do a, a shit McCarthy impersonation? No, not McCarthy. Uh, he loves the doctor. The doctor does a great James Spader impersonation. Do wow, it? no, I cannot do that. No, I, I cannot. Well, we keep them both. We yeah. get both we'll of get them. Keith, I can get an yeah. extra mic in here. It's fine. I don't. I don't mind being a DH on that one. <laughs> We will we will bring Keith in as a DH whenever he's in the area. Uh, thank you so much for for sitting here with us, knuckleheads. Um, this was really fun. So, next episode is episode 100. Oh my god! Would you like me to ad lib an outro that you wrote for me? <laughs> I would love for you to ad lib an outro that I wrote for you. I and can't the, wait, I can't and you did right before we convinced you about the whole uh, frog. Uh, wave in the mouth thing. I, I'm going to stand by my original stance for the sake of the outro. I appreciate that. Uh, let it before uh, Keith takes us away. Let's just do what we do every show. May the wings of liberty never lose a feather. 
Sayonara, motherfuckers. Keith, the floor is yours. To learn more about the time I rescued an intergalactic princess from the clutches of an evil empire hell-bent on... No, wait a minute. That wasn't a princess. It was a prince. I think his name was Gary. Or maybe it was Jeff. And now that I'm thinking about it, it wasn't a prince either. It was a frog. And a frog with a vagina. No, So he was a girl frog. Um... He didn't make sweet love in my spaceship either. It was rather we made really weird frog love behind a 7-Eleven outside of Youngstown, Ohio. <laughs> Folks, all I know for sure is one thing. I am never drinking with this crew of lovable numbnuts again anytime soon. That's for damn sure. At least Gary, the hermaphroditic bullfrog from the with the vagina, bought me a big bite hot dog afterwards. Oh, those summer nights. And uh, in the meantime, to learn more about the cigars and other libations enjoyed on tonight's show, please visit www.crownedheads.com and www.einstockbeer.com. So good. So good. Good night, everybody. I get up, go to work, get drunk.